Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's that time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And we have finally arrived at that time of the year, finals. And it's a hell of a top eight. It's looking like one hell of a final series. And to be honest, I'm pretty glad the last few weeks are over because we had a couple of good matchups, but a lot of teams were already settled. The eight ended up getting closed out. And my Lord, there were some absolute beatdowns. <laughs> yeah, it's be expected, I think, mm. just with the way that the competition panned out, particularly over the last fortnight. And then even on Saturday... <clears throat> just having Brisbane lose and Canberra then just go, well, there's not a lot in it for us, but then they come out and blow the doors off the West Tigers. It just shows you where some of these teams are at, where their mindset was at, and just the void and the huge gap we've got and discrepancy, particularly between you know, top four and bottom four in this competition is just yeah, poles huge, apart. absolutely huge. Um, but on the plus side, like we've talked about multiple times the last few weeks, the way the top eight has worked out, the teams that have got in, and then the matchups, the way they've panned out week one, absolutely awesome. Yeah, we've got you can't Battle can't of the West. That. We've got <laughs> Battle of the West, 1v4. You've got the two emerging teams from this season and the Sharks and the Cowboys that have finished higher than people would have expected. We get the Roosters and the Rabbitohs again, and we've got the Storm and the Raiders, which have a hell of a lot of history. And, uh, you know, a link, obviously, between the coaches who are good friends, but... Canberra have got a better record, I'm pretty sure, than anybody at Amy Park. They've won their last four in a row there. Um, they generally have given Melbourne a bit of trouble. So the way things have worked out, you couldn't have planned it any better. Exactly right. Awesome, awesome week one ahead of us. And as we jump in, uh, all thanks to bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anybody, make sure you do it with the true blue bookie. Visit the website or download the app today and bang, bang. Follow it in uh, a punters club bet that we have and also a charity bet. Uh, this week, again, paired them up, and what do you know? We've got another win. Reese Robson swooped in, grabbed one in that Cowboys game, so our account now for the Bears of Hope is up to $952.50. So uh, getting close to that $1,000 mark box set, which is great. Yeah, 100%. Um, hopefully <clears throat> jag a few more on the run-in. I've been on fire lately, in particular with the back rows, so sticking with them and the Fords. Robson won, um, obviously... Worked out pretty well. Thought he might probe a few times. He had a couple of line breaks. He set one up. I didn't think we were going to get lucky, but when that offload got thrown, doing what any good middle should do or being around the ball, he swooped in and bagged us a four-pointer. So thank you, Reese Robson. <clears throat> Happy days. And uh, thank you, bluebet.com.au. Hopefully, again, we crack well over that $1,000 mark and we've still got plenty of games to go. Who knows? They might even let us have a crack at the World Cup. They've been very, very good to us. So um, <clears throat> Format moving forward, I guess we should say now. Probably no real use in doing 
a set of six. There's a lot going on, but we are going to up our content, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, on the run home for the finals. So we're going to do two shows a week. Um, generally, going forward, unless something happens work-wise or, uh, and, and prevents us from doing them on the days, we're looking at doing Sunday and Wednesday. That's so what we're looking at, yeah. Essentially, <clears throat> today is our Sunday version, but obviously yesterday was Father's Day and other things were going on. Um, this will be, from the here on out, a bit of a re- review of the games, and then we'll be reviewing the season of the teams that are eliminated. So tonight, obviously, we'll be reviewing the bottom eight teams that were eliminated. We'll have a quick run through those games, nothing crazy, because some of them meant nothing, and there's not a lot to really take out. And on top of that, most of what happened on the weekend is summed up in their season reviews. Uh, and then the Wednesday night moving forward will obviously be a bit of a breakdown of the games ahead, um, and we'll obviously be able to go through those matchups, key points a bit like we do for our origin previews where we take a bit more of an in-depth look at the team, strengths, weaknesses, how we think things will play out and obviously give our tips, preview and all that thanks to bluebet.com.au. So let's jump straight into it. We'll review those games, but obviously there's not a whole lot to say. I think there's a key few that are worth talking about, in particular the ones that have some implication. Eel Storm, 22-14, wrapped up the top four position that we've talked about all year that Parramatta really, really needed to get to give themselves two chances. Melbourne, um, as we know, again, missing key players, in particular Jerome Hughes, and it makes a hell of a difference. I thought their middle was beaten convincingly. Parramatta, plenty of second phase, played through them. Melbourne held on, did their best. Felt like, the you know, for the most part of the game, they were right behind the eight ball, and still somehow in the end managed to pull themselves right back into it, bar a miss from Munster and that was probably the other point to take away. Some people were like, Munster was good, Munster was bad. Well, you know, when you're having that many touches and you're trying to have an impact on a game when you're basically playing with no halves, you're going to expect some bad moments. Yeah. He overplayed his hand essentially to try and make up for what's not there. Um, Hughes is a huge loss. Still someone, I think, if he doesn't play this week, he's huge for the Canberra Raiders. He's still got some question marks over his fitness. Um, and for Parramatta... <clears throat> I think, you know, overall a pretty good performance. They wouldn't have been happy with the the way the game finished up, but in the end, they've got themselves two bites of the cherry and they're the only team to have beaten Penrith twice. So I don't know if you could have, you know, any more confidence probably rolling into Penrith knowing that they've won there and they've beaten them obviously last time and they clearly got sent off, but they've certainly had the wood in more recent times by that semi-final victory, which they were very close to winning missing players. Yeah, exactly. They... Parramatta limped in, really, didn't they, into the top four. And we're probably fortunate that Melbourne arrived at Parramatta Stadium with Jerome Hughes out. Otherwise, I think it would have been a lot closer a game. But they, they did what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. Said all year they needed to finish top four. If they want to win the comp, they needed to finish top Two four. Chances. They've done that. They've beaten Penrith twice this year. Now they've got to do it when it matters. Mm-hmm. They couldn't quite get it done last year. Penrith were a little bit you know, under strength last year. They were coming off a... Shock loss to South in week two of the finals, and they couldn't get it done. Parramatta, I think they only scored one try in that game. So, yeah, they can they can talk about all this emotional fuel as much as they want. In the end, what's going to matter is what they do on a Friday night, and a close loss isn't going to be good enough. No, they need to go there and win. You want to beat the premiers, you want to rattle Penrith, you want to put Penrith on tilt, then you need to. Parramatta are going to need to bring their best game. And I thought they did a really, really good job last last time they played at Penrith Stadium. I didn't give them a hope in hell of winning that game earlier in the year. It's a huge crowd, and they were, they were excellent that night. 
Mm. Really, really good. They applied scoreboard pressure and, yeah, they were able to strangle Penrith and make them come out of their own end consistently. So the test is now is going to be doing it on the big stage in a, in a finals game, defending premiers at home, opening game of the final series. What more can you want if you're Parramatta? It's a huge opportunity. It's all to play for. And they've earned that opportunity. They've done well, the Eels. Definitely. And I I think the only thing that probably would bother them in the end is I think they've only finished one win or two wins sort of away from potentially ending up second Mm. with a low impact on them during Origin with Paulo being the only player that played the whole way through. But then you go back to the tragic Bulldogs loss, the Tigers loss, like two games that we say, again, it's always those ones you look at Parramatta and think that's the one that's going to cost you the top four. As you've said, they've probably got lucky that Melbourne had so many injuries and Souths and the Roosters started a bit slow that not only did they manage to sneak into the top four, but I still think they'd be regretting that. I honestly think they should have finished second. Mm. If they jagged those couple of wins... Should have, but they didn't. I know they didn't, but I'm yeah. just saying they still probably left a little bit of beef on the bone um, in Maybe. the potential of where they could have finished and potentially have a home final <clears throat> and made this a bit more comfortable for themselves. But nevertheless, uh, the other night, they did what needed to be done. Like I said, their pack has been in really, really good form. We've said it in the preview. I thought that Gutherson and Marnie, I didn't know if they were good enough, um, but they needed to raise their level to match with their halves. Brown and Moses certainly look like they're, they're ready for the finals. Brown's been great this year, but Marnie and Gutherson have come to light the last few weeks, and we'll see what they can do this week. Mm. For Melbourne, like we said, you take Hughes out. Focal points were Harry. Munster, it was a little bit predictable. Uh, they had a late little surge there, but for me, at the end of the day here, it all comes down to Hughes. If Hughes doesn't play this week, I'm... Not very confident that they're going to be able to win. Well, me either. So we'll have to wait and see. I'm but I think... 100% know he's yeah. going to get named, but whether he home, plays... Home field, long turnaround. Raiders have got a big. short turnaround. There's different levels in this competition. The Raiders aren't Parramatta. I still so. think there's a good reason, though, we had the Raiders in our eight and had some trust that they may find a way in, regardless of Hodgson missing and Fogarty missing at the start of the year. I know they've done it the hard way as well, but I think they're starting to pull things together and get a bit hot at the right time. And I'm sure they'd take some confidence, even though it was the Tigers out of a huge win on the weekend after resting White and, and Whitehead. Mm. But we'll wait and see. Um, Dogs Manly, there's not a whole lot to review. Two teams this season was over. We'll talk more about them, I'm sure you'd agree, when we review their season. So we'll leave that one where it lies. Which which one was that? Dogs Manly. Yeah. We don't really need to review that game, I don't think. It was pretty ordinary. I think uh, we'll review them. <clears throat> we'll talk about them when we get to their season. Rooster South and the opening of the stadium. Uh, well, we went there. It's an absolute cracker. I've heard a lot of debate from people back and forth that what a waste of time. It's the same seating capacity. It's the same stadium. Why did we spend all the money on that one? Well, good luck trying to figure out how governments work. I do agree that probably would have been better off distributing the money a little bit between some of those grounds that could certainly need a bit of love. Yeah, but at the same time, I was impressed to attend it. It's very much like... Combank in a sense the noise is trapped um, the way they've sat at the bottom concourse is really really good there's plenty of amenities and facilities I guess the biggest question though is is the, the charm going to last because in the past obviously Roosters attendance other games attended there um, you'd hope that it's going to get the use and uh, probably the, the treatment that it deserves because it, it is a pretty schmick venue on what they've done with it really. yeah it is but the, I think the issue is the access parking driving same issue still uh, public transport, they're, they're the issues. Mm. And costings, are they going to be able to keep costings at the stadium, tickets, concessions, affordable for families, mm. particularly when we're going to hit, it looks like, you know, we're not going to talk politics, but 
it looks like it's we're going to heading into a period where the belt buckle might be a little bit tighter on families and particularly blue collar families. That's what you know everyone's sort of talking about. So <clears throat> particularly over the next you know short term, the next four or five years, are they going to be able to make sure that prices are competitive and they're going to allow those rugby league fans to you know the people you know, who who would... Their entertainment, their big out for the weekend is going to watch their footy team play. The blue-collar people, the the people that make rugby league tick. I think we've got to make sure that it's affordable for them to attend the stadium and keep things affordable. Uh, and look, the, the stadium's magnificent, like you said. It's, it's unreal. I just think we need to make sure that we're... The accessibility financially is, is there because, you know, we went in there and bought bought some food, bought some drinks, bought our tickets and we the drinks were half price and the, the, the prices were reasonable when they were half price but, you know, I, I think the beer lines shrunk once they went to full price. Yeah, certainly. And food? Um, food, I think, what did we pay? Sort of $23 or $24 for... Like a meal. A burger, chips and a drink. Yeah. There's... So you, you are paying through the nose. If you've got to go in there and you've got a family of four, it's 100 bucks in food. Mm. I think before you even buy a ticket, before you pay for parking, before you do public transport. So I'm not crying poor. Like, we can afford that. We're in, we're in a position where, you know, not that we're financially well off, but, you know, we can afford to, we could afford to go and buy a ticket, park. Yeah, you can download the footy every couple of weeks yeah. or once a month and go, yeah. and particularly if you've got and to go I'm in the city. I'm very grateful that I've got, you know, a job that, you know, pays not well, but it certainly pays my mortgage and allows me to do the things that I like. So I feel very fortunate, but I know that that's not everyone and particularly the rugby league community. I just got to keep it accessible and ensure that to keep the crowds high, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have it be accessible to, to everyone, particularly families. Well, I'll put it to you this way. If you want people to keep traveling in, because let's be honest, a lot of people in the city are not the target audience, even though their teams yeah. are playing at that stadium. You need to do things like they did the other day. I think even Those the Roosters, if you want to get people there, just let all the kids in free. They, they just got to work out ways to, okay, we've got this unreal stadium. How do we get people in it? Yeah. And, and like you all, said, yeah, promotions like the other day, but that's a fantastic well, You've got to do those things every so often just to yeah. get people in because, again, what you may give up in an hour there of alcohol costs, if it pulls an extra yeah, 5000 they are. They're not losing profit. No, they're, they're just making less profit. You know what profit. I'm saying? You want to pull more people yeah. through the gate. So you need to do more things like that. That was smart the other day because not only did it get everyone was coming because it's the opening it was a big deal but in terms of getting people there earlier mm. and increasing you know eyes on the NRLW the venue in general like we, we walked around you got to explore a little bit earlier uh, watch the game there was a decent crowd in for the women's game but yeah people at the ground earlier rather than just rocking up on kickoff yeah well, we got so, four tickets uh, four tickets parking plus tolls you're looking at about 200 bucks just to walk into the venue before you even before you do anything Tolls, parking, tickets for four of us. So, yeah. mm. Very good stadium. We right. had big Lonnie Vunakesi with us. We couldn't... took us two hours to get out of the joint because everyone wanted to get a photo with the ninja. Well, I was going to say. Former rooster. Ex-rooster, but now, now for more of the kids who wanted the photos. But he's more, yeah. Ninja warrior. He's uh, on the coaching staff with New South Wales Cup at Mount. He's doing an unreal job. So, yeah, it was cool. But out of our politics and into the game, it was a good game no of football. Po- no politics. I just think... And I'd say this about everyone. I, I like bought tickets today and I Jesus, I was happy to look at the f- prices of the finals tickets and go, they're not robbing us blind here. 
No, a family, a family, like I think the the general admission ticket at Penrith for a family of four was sixty five bucks. I thought that's reasonable. It's very reasonable. Reasonable. It's a, reasonable. A family of four for the Roosters South, fifty bucks. That's reasonable. Cheap. Unreal. Yeah. I, there was a period there where I'm not sure whether Valandis was in charge, but they were charging sort of four hundred dollars for a Category A ticket to Origin and the Grand Final, and even the your family tickets were. I think $150, $200 for a Category D at the Grand Final. Like you're pricing you're pricing the wrong people out of it. So, yeah, it's good today to log on and just go, right, that's good. The right people are going to be able to get access to, to tickets. Yeah, so back to the game. The game was decent. Um, Roosters obviously getting the win for the first game at the venue. Started hard and fast, um, obviously, on the south side of things, missing Campbell Graham. Missing Cook, lost Murray early, but I think we saw what we've sort of been seeing in the Roosters building this last seven or eight weeks, which is all those little things that we associated with them in the past. High pressure, rolling through the middle, good kick chase, pinning their opposition, play one, two, and teeing off. They really got stuck into the trail. They strangled him. All his time and space was gone. They pinned him in their own half. They won the territory game. It was just all the things you associate with them, in particular defensively. Mm. Kick chase, high pressure, line speed. and Unfortunately for them, though, they may have paid a price near the back end because there's been talk the last few weeks about Manu having some calf tightness and some issues, and today he's ended up with a scan after they feared he might be out for the year. They're now saying there's a possibility he could either play in a prelim or a grand final, but it's still not much good to them if there's sudden yeah. death the next two weeks to get to that point. That's tough. Can they cover for it with what they've got in their team? Yes, they've still got plenty of quality, but is it going to be as easy as it would have been with it, with Joey Manu in your team? Yeah. Clearly not. So they're um, going to beat South again, which you think they're clear favourites for that, which is cool, and then they're going to have to play the loser of Sharks, Cowboys. Well, this is the thing about this week. Again, with the odds, all these guys are going to get named, but they've got a lot of injury clouds. Jared only played 13 minutes with a hamstring problem, and he's got a neck problem. Mm. Verrill's had a hand injury. He's no certainty to play. Swale was rested last week. He's going to have to be pass fit, and it looks like they may try to get Tupo on the field. So if you tell me that there's no Tupo, no Swale, no JWH, no Verrills, or at least another two of those missing along with Joey Manu, and Souths get Murray cleared and get back Cook and Campbell Graham, this could be very much in Souths' favour. Mm. And again, at the end of the day, last week meant nothing. I know it's historic and those games always mean something between those fans, but in terms of where they finished on the ladder and the situation, it meant nothing. And I honestly thought they may have pulled well, Manu it meant, it or Tedesco. It meant home field. Or Akiri, etc. but they didn't do that. And hopefully in the end, these three or four guys that are under clouds, a couple of men up playing. Because this could be a very different story this week if that three or four of those guys don't end up playing. Yeah, okay. So for Souths, I think for them, the best part is they sort of, you know, got through the storm there. They were down 26, 20 to 6, and the game looked like it was almost over. But they threw some punches at the back end of the game, um, got a little bit more confidence heading into this week. And now we're talking about the clouds over some of these players. They could potentially get, you know, sweet, sweet revenge at this new venue again by ending the Roosters' season. So uh, a lot to play out, obviously, but. I think on the south side of things, it's clear, and we've seen this for a lot of the years, and this is one of the knocks on someone like an Alex Johnston. Why well, he's a fantastic player and a great finisher. The reason you don't see Alex Johnston when I hear people like Latrell come out saying, oh, he should be picked for Australia, is his yardage game. There's players like him and their back five in general. They're not a great yardage team. Yeah. Latrell makes a huge point of difference in that set of things, and when the Roosters tee off on him in particular and put the pressure on that they did, forklifting him and dragging him backwards... The carriage to come afterwards from Johnston and these sort of guys, they just get manhandled. 
Yeah. Um, so they did a real good job killing them there, which then killed their middle. But there was still some good performers. I thought Totola was pretty good. Obviously, losing Murray, you, you, you lose your link man and your guy that sort of engages that shape to get the ball to Cody Walker. And then when Cook's there, the way he likes to surge when they are going forward, obviously gets Cody playing on the front foot as well. So thought the Roosters particularly did a good job making him just a non-factor for the most part. Um, but it's going to be a completely different ball game depending on who gets onto the field this week. So Yeah, I think um, it got... What we take out of that game really got diluted by the fact that the yeah, Roosters the jumped them early. No, I think the Roosters jumped them early and you could tell straight away South were playing on the back foot. They lost Cameron Murray early, which hurt. And yeah, like you say, the, the Roosters' execution was really, really good. And then the injuries, yeah, the injuries are injuries. That they can happen in any game. I, yeah, I get the, that. What makes it difficult is the fact that you've got to name your team on Tuesday and then you've got to cut your squad down to 19. So prior to knowing what, what happened with the Parramatta-Melbourne game, you just, realistically, if they wanted to rest, they, one of those teams just needed to sacrifice the game. Yeah. And on Tuesday, bite the bullet and go, we don't care about home field. Or they had to do what the Raiders did. They had to name their team because they didn't know whether they were going to have to play to get themselves in. And in the end, when they knew they could only pull two players, they obviously picked Jack. But the White. other the other thing there is that what what I would have done personally, I would have started my entire bench and just flipped and put your four most important players on the bench. And that's what I'm saying. But you still had two to get rid of. I probably would have looked at Manu if you knew he had an issue and say you're not playing or Tedesco's not playing or if you're worried about Kiri because he's in a good vein of form and you don't want to. Yeah, but risk you're talking him. Tuesday. Or you're talking the day of the game. I'm talking the day of the game. You can't do it. Because you're down to 19. Yeah, they could have well, still pulled down to 18. Two. Yeah, you could pull... You could My pull point is, I would have still picked two. two, and I still would have pulled two. Mm. But they didn't, and in the end, it's potentially hurt yeah, their chances. But what, yeah, but you're not de- we're saying. not dealing with dopes here. Like, I know what I'm They're, they're obviously but you thinking, know, well, you know I want to get home field. You know there's, there's that potential. Well, and yeah, unfortunately, there was that potential last week. There was that potential the week before. In the end, they, they got skin in the game, and they felt as though... They wanted to compete. They wanted to open the stadium in the right way. They wanted to play. There was some value in home field. Mm. Well, like I said, we're going to see this week mm. once their team gets named and as the cuts happen during the I don't. Week. I don't like. I don't particularly like the whole naming of the squads on Tuesday. I think you should just have to name your name your eighteen the day before the game. That's what I think. I'd be much happier. Much happier with that arrangement, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Mm. Tuesday's cool, but yeah, there's always ducks and drakes, isn't there? Mm. Well, we'll leave that one behind. Uh, Warriors-Titans, I think, again, not much to talk about here. This... Well, I watched the first 10 minutes, turned it off, and then I turned uh, turned it on with about, I don't know, 10 to go. Saw the comeback and golden point, and just, I don't know what I took out of it. I thought it was more, was it more the Warriors' capitulation rather than the Titans' Coming to get them, maybe a bit of both. Pretty much just sums up both the teams. That's what yeah. I took out of <laughs> But again, I think we'll get more when we do our season review for these two. But Yeah, but for the Warriors to cough that game up Well, they came at out, home, blew the doors off, and we were up 16-0 after 15 minutes. Like, Leaked a couple of average tries. One where they just quit on the play. A couple, again, that were just errors or bro- broken play instead of going on with it. Then... Come up with a couple of critical errors. Adam Fanua Blake has a drop and a penalty, which lead to one of the tries and then the penalty goal. Um, and then they had first crack at field goal, missed, and Tanner Boyd ends up being the hero. So anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And mm. 
pretty much sums up the last few years, which again, I'll still defend the Warriors. No, I don't care what anyone says when they said, oh, they got to move and they put him in hell. Like, don't even try to think for a second that it was easy to be away from family, friends, no and everyone for three years. Anyone that still says that they had it good when they finally got him settled, I'll no take way. I'll take you away from all your friends, family, and everything else, and move your kids and uproot your whole life and have you sitting here in limbo with no home ground advantage, no idea or no end in sight of when you're going to get to go home. It's been a shit three years for the Warriors. So I'm going to give them a, get a pass. And another <laughs> year where things obviously went wrong in the fact that going home got delayed, their coach ended up moving on. Like the whole situation just went sideways again. But the ending was very unfortunate because I thought of all the times with the home performances I've had, particularly the last couple, this one would be one where they went on with it. And the way they started, you thought, here we go. We're going to see a highlight reel here. Yeah. They're going to put 50 on it. And unfortunately, they've just bungled it. But uh, next year, some stability finally. Mm. So I guess not much more to talk about. We'll do the review on them when we get to it. Dragons, Broncos, honestly... Uh, I was a bit of a pains watching this game, but this pretty much just sums up the ending to the Broncos. I could not believe that the Broncos were were lacking motivation well, and enthusiasm to, to I took win the game out of the first. They few had sets. the same amount of enthusiasm, or if not less, than the Dragons did for this game. The Mate. Dragons had nothing to play for. Well, they were very the Broncos had everything to play for. Yep, and they could have at least. Well, it just shows you what sort of faith they had in. The Tigers putting up a fight the next day, really. Oh, I don't even know about that. If you look at what they've their done. Their season was over and they knew their 50, season was over. Like, 60, there's mm. just been no fight at all. They were top four with six games to go yeah. and riding high. I don't know how you but go. That's why you don't look at draws. Oh, oh, Broncos are in. Everyone thought, oh, Broncos are in. Forget well, the draw. You can't capitulate like that. This is one of the Well, they did. Time. That's the point. It's they just, did. Yeah, well, it's a bigger issue than what we're trying to Nothing figure out. Nothing is ever why. locked in. Nothing is ever certain in this game. As to why they got to where they are. It wasn't just the draw of the teams they played. There's clearly more going on at Brisbane. But of course I, there is. I honestly thought we would see them at least come out and compete and be up for it, and it turned out to be the opposite way. They it was like the, the chorus of the ex-Broncos at the Dragons were the ones who turned up very eager to try and end their season, and they did just that, and it was no surprise, led by Ben Hunt. And I looked at it again today because everyone's obviously talked at the Dally M at the end if they've won 12 games if he hasn't been the best player in at least 10 of those he's going to go very close to winning the Dally M on points 12 wins you think he'd probably how many men in matches he's been a man in match almost all those games or close to he's probably yeah. 30 plus points I don't know the only other person I could think of who's been fairly consistent in a team where people aren't really stealing points off him and they've obviously won 11 of the last 12 is Nico Hines and he didn't play Origin so he's another one who's sort of had a really good run there where most of the wins he's been, you know, top two. So I don't know. It's obviously clear he's not going to win it. There's not a lot of those sort of guys that we would have thought about, your Munsters, et cetera, um, early in the year, probably not playing. So I had guys like that. They take points off each other. There's a couple other teams. The Roosters didn't start that well. I don't think there's many guys from probably the usual customers we're thinking of. So... Just off the top of my head, I haven't even looked at what the leaderboard was when it went quiet, but I heard someone mention it today, and I thought, well, Nico would have chalked up plenty and they had enough wins, and Ben Hunt was pretty much compete with nobody for points. So if they've won 12 and he's polled three ten times, he's certainly in the mix. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, well, the, the, it's not that I don't agree with what you're saying and agree with the general consensus. I don't agree with consensus, most of the time, but... But we always do this, and we always think... Yeah, that looks pretty obvious that he's going to win it. And it always tends to not be the obvious one. 
Remember, you know, the other year when Whiten beat Cleary, everyone was like, well, Jesus, how did that happen? Well, he's, he was sort of in one of those teams, though, as well, where they basically well, just gave him three that, every but week. But what I'm saying is just... I didn't think he deserved three every week, but they almost mm. gave it to him every That's game. That's probably more default. my point. I think the confidence and reliability around votes and... Yeah, well... The care that people put into the votes and the time that they put into the votes. It's been questionable at times, yeah, mm. no doubt, but... Well, yeah, is Ben Hunt the best player in the competition? Has he been the best player in the competition this year? I would say no. No, I, I don't, agree I don't, with I, don't, I don't think so. But we know how the system works. Yeah, so. has he... Yeah. But I just don't... Has he polled the most points? I just don't see who's really mm. taking points off him in his team when they've won games. Well, there, there's your... Fl- uh, and that's what I'm talking about. If, if they've won 12 and he's got 10 lots of threes, he's... I really think we need to we need to move away from I need, we need the, the weekly, vote system. We need the weekly score. Maybe have that as your as another award. Yeah, uh, but about this game, obviously, they, it wasn't that the Rothmans medal. Wasn't the Rothmans medal the Dalian before the Dalian was the Dalian? No, I think. I wasn't. Right I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure either. But I, I think we should move to an MVP system similar to what the bas- basketball, or the NFL, the American model. I think the American model tend to get it right more often than what we do. Mm, that's just that's my opinion. Or it's. A bit, a bit easier to sort out, but there's usually just a handful of people and then you come down to someone. You may disagree, but it's a lot more... But they also get polls from, you know, a thousand odd people. Yeah, it's just know. a lot... It's easier to narrow it down. Like you can yeah. usually pick two or three and go, all right, this is sort of what we're arguing about. And mm. then you can sort of come to some consensus and see a reason why. There's been a few times in the Daily M where you even look at someone and go, he's not even the top five or ten. How'd that happen? Yeah. And again, care factor on votes, who's been watching the games, people taking points off each other. The, the system is flawed. But overall, Dragons came to play. Broncos didn't. It was a couple of the same old suspects. Pat Carrigan certainly turned up after his suspension to try hard. I think Haas was over 200 and plenty busy again. Um, but for them in general, they had a bit of a swing moment there when they were on the front foot and Reynolds was kicking and sort of pinning him. And Ben Hunt again comes up with a 40-20. Laid on a handful of those tries and the Fiona effort was outstanding. Um, that individual try and they finished him off and Brisbane's season obviously ended there so again about those two probably going to talk too much about the game but we'll talk about their seasons once we do the review uh, Penrith Cowboys honestly what do you, you can't really take much out of it no well, it's there. just throw it in the bin scrunch it up and throw it in the bin played Cowboys it. were good they probably needed that kill Penrith played their New South Wales Cup team yeah and the Cowboys gave yeah, themselves that. an opportunity for a home final pending Cronulla who mm. looking at again Cronulla doing a little bit of what worries me at times. Errors in, in, in a nothing game. Yeah, I know. But errors are a little bit complacent. They've had plenty of errors in the past six or eight <laughs> weeks, even though they've gone on to win. Just hoping, you know, they can sort of get that out of their game come finals time. Yeah. But they were 12-all at half time. Fitzgibbon obviously had some stern words second half. Blew Newcastle off the paddock and got the job done and locked in that home final. And I'm sure they're very, very happy now. They weren't sure a few weeks ago what the case was going to be, but the NRL was going to let them play at Shark Park. Only for week one, obviously. If yeah. it gets to week three, they're not going to get a game there because their stadium definitely doesn't meet the requirements of a preliminary final. But for mm-hmm. week one, it's huge. Yeah, Because if you can get them to week three, and that's what we talked about, between the Cowboys or Cronulla, this was very important. So your advantage right now is to Cronulla. Being at the prison week one. Mm. Maybe the only Def- downside... Well, definitely. I think if this game was at North Queensland, I'd be, I'd be firmly in the corner of yeah. the Cowboys. It's not. It's at Cronulla... They'll play in front of a parochial, yeah, whatever it is, 11, 12,000 people. Yeah, I think the only thing for them, obviously, is who's back. They'd have to be sold out already, wouldn't it? They've been playing the last few weeks. They've had the beauty of resting a couple of guys. They've had a couple of guys who are on the borderline. Uh, Sifatalakai, the 
tackle at the end there where Croker landed on him, and they've I think they've called it a grade three hip drop. I don't. Which one? I'm pretty sure Croker got charged. Oh, piss off! That wasn't. There was not a hip drop. It was a missed tackle. It was a missed tackle, and he fell on the back. He's like run through him and just like brushed him. And it's the most ridiculous ruling I've seen nearly all season. I'd have to check it again, but I'm pretty sure earlier if my and I've seen some head scratches. If my eyes didn't mistake me earlier, it was a grade three. So he's got like a three-week suspension for next year. Yeah, right. But I just looked at it and thought, wow, if a guy runs through and you somehow roll off because he's come from the side and rolled over the back of him, what do you want him to do? Yeah. Where's he go? Like, yeah. So Sif is under a bit of a cloud. I know Rudolph and Kennedy were touch and go, so we'll wait and see. Um, They've obviously been lucky, as we've talked about earlier in the year, that they're in a situation salary cap-wise and year-wise where they've made some smart decisions by holding on to a Metcalf having Lockie Miller, having Trindle, etc. They've got cover for those key positions, so they'll still have cover there. And Trace is the other one. But more than likely, Dalvin Urkin will be back in this week. Um, and for the most part, those few guys they've sort of been holding off on will be available again. So um, they're going to hopefully put themselves in the best possible position to load up and try and win week one. Rick gets some rest for those guys again, and then come week three, playing somewhere in Sydney, trying to make a grand final. But for Newcastle, again, we'll talk more about them when we get to it. And... The last game, I think definitely for the Tigers, we we don't really need to say much else other than this is pretty much just sums up their season and why they deserve to win the wooden spoon. Yeah. Um, Canberra almost set the NRL record or equaled it in the first half for the big mass amount of points. I think they said Cowboys 42-0 against Newcastle or someone. 2004, they were very close if they scored one more try. <laughs> um, they didn't get there. <clears throat> Took some of their middles off the second half, gave them another quick stint. Got some minutes into some of their bench players. It was just, yeah. It was funny when you saw the hill pretty much fall in the second half. A lot of people had just left that game. And, and for the Tigers, you, you at least could have tried. And for James Tarmow, you would have better off staying suspended yeah. and having that as your last one. One of my good mates at school, he, him and his dad are <clears throat> uh, Tigers members. And his dad goes to every game. They went together on Father's Day yesterday and had to watch that shit sandwich. Like, yeah. Horrible. <clears throat> Horrible. Um, I've never seen a team, <clears throat> particularly in the last six weeks, just quit on a season like oh. the Tigers have. And the thing quit. here again, like, Madge and you miss some tackles on your inside Madge shoulder. Is the problem we get rid of Madge, like we should see a reaction. Things will get that. Like, there I were times yesterday where they just pile down the short side, and the Tigers didn't even get their short side numbers. They like, should have just left Madge. It was serious. Yeah, well, so, here we go. Yeah, no, and done what we've talked about before. Though. I'm with if you. If you're going to do something, keep it in house, which we know they fucking can't Back because coach. everything just leaks out of that joint like a sieve. They could have come to a conclusion of what they were going to do and then at the end of the season sat down knowing full well what their plan was if they were going to get rid of him. Yeah, well, we kept saying, just saying leave keep it. Just keep let it. the year play. Or we, we were saying Madge should just throw it in and oh, say, yeah. see you later. And we knew it was and coming. And all that happened since Madge has left is showing that he wasn't the problem. No. Well, look what they've because done. Because they've got worse. And then they, Significantly worse. They had the hide to whinge about the loan <laughs> system the other week. They loaned two players out and released later Some of the dopiest moves I've ever seen in my life. It's like, fuck, what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, it's an unfair advantage. They're an NRL team that's operated like a pub team. But you, you can't say it's an unfair advantage when you've loaned two players to two contenders. Oh, man. You didn't have to. No one put a gun to your head. So what the fuck are you whinging about? What's cap relief for next year? So on who? Yeah, I know. Who's going to go what there? What are you talking about it for? No, that's then, my point. Who's going like, to go there? Oh, we, it's an unfair advantage. I don't completely agree. I'm like, you've just loaned two players to two contenders. <clears throat> so if you don't like it, why are you enabling it? It's incredible, man. <clears throat> but the other thing as well, like I know people were saying, why weren't Sheens and Benji and all that around it and they don't want to be associated with this thing? Like, they, I have no doubt in my mind they would have had something 
going on behind the scenes, but they're not going to show themselves publicly with what's happening this year. The scarier part is I think there's more leaving than what's coming in, and even though they've got two very quality players coming through the door in Arpi and Papali'i, that's not going to be enough to help this shit show. Um, they've blooded a lot of kids Man. who realistically aren't ready to play first grade yet, and they're going to have to suffer long term. And the scarier part is what we've talked about before, and I don't want to start the review right now, but I'm glad that Sheens has at least put a line in the sand and said, this is what we're doing for the five years going forward. But, but I why d- didn't he do it for the last 12 weeks? I don't even know. He sacked Madge. I don't even know. So if- surely if you sack Madge... You've got a plan better than Madge. I don't know. The if... plan better than Madge was here, Noddy, have the keys and just run oh, into... I, 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 no, no, I, I feel sorry for Brett Kamali. I think oh, they've, they've, ruined, done, they've ruined him. They've done a dis- disservice to they've Brett Kamali. He's been the sacrificial lamb and the and the beating boy all in the in the wild where they say, oh, you know, um, yeah, Benji and I are just going to you know sit back and we'll, we'll come in and... Start fresh. Start fresh. Well, With what? Start fresh now. Start... I, yeah, just well, think. Like said. And if you're a coach worth your salt, you should be stepping up to try and help your club there in your darkest moment. Their darkest moment has been the last six weeks. They needed all hands on deck. Leave Noddy as a head coach. I don't give a fuck who's a head coach. But you need all hands on deck. You need everyone trying to do the right thing by the club. And I think, whether rightly or wrongly, whether they intended for this to be the result or not, the result is a result. And it's. Well, the other thing. It's just. I think it's set them back even more. Yeah, because of the way even further have than, than what up. it was when they sacked Madge. I think the scarier part as well. I know publicly they're saying the it's, team was playing for Madge. Yeah, I know. I know. And I know the scarier part is, like I said, I know Arpy's definitely coming because we've said this before. He hasn't had his big payday. This is his big payday. He's going to be coming regardless. That's a non-factor. He's not staying at better if he's yeah, not pulling. He's not going he's to. But publicly, whether people like it or not, they're saying it's all sorted. It's not sorted. Behind closed doors, but the issue is here. They're obviously allowed to stand. It's not a contract. Yeah, I know, and that's what I'm saying. And fair enough, they're saying if he doesn't honour it, plain and simple, they'll sit him for three years if they have to. So they're standing their ground as well. Well, he's not going to sit. For so three again, years. unless Parramatta's coming to the table or someone's doing something to offer them some relief, I know for a fact that that situation's still not sorted. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think he's finally realised, like he did not long ago, that this may have been a mistake to take the deal there. So. Interested to see how that one plays out. Well, I think he'll change his tune if they win the comp. Well, uh, happy to go. We'll move on from that one, and we have their review later on once we get into it. But getting into those reviews of the bottom eight teams after doing basically a quick summary of the last round, um, the power rankings that we set, our final power rankings, we'll do that on the Wednesday show, obviously because then we're going to have lineups, and that'll give us a better way to look at the teams as they are most like, oh, sorry, most likely to be for week one, mm. um, and where we think they're actually going to finish or their chances to play. Put it up there today on the discussion group and on our Facebook page for everybody as well to give us what you think. First, eighth, last power rankings, most likely to win the comp, least likely to win the comp. So we'll save that one thanks to Penrith Solar Centre. It's um, as hard. It's as hard a final series to break down as I reckon I've ever seen. Easily, because if something goes well, awry, I was looking one, at it and I was like, I, I, I agree. I get Penrith. I get their favourites. I, I get all that. And if they win week one, it's going to be very. But hard. I've almost got every other every other team on the tier below them. Mm. I've almost got the other seven teams with equal standing. Yeah, Cronulla and Cronulla and the Cowboys. One of them is going to get a significant advantage with a week off and a home venue prelim. If Parramatta can beat Penrith, that's going to be huge. 
huge. That almost doesn't put them into favouritism, but it would almost put them on level pegging as Penrith because they'd be a week ahead of them and Penrith would have to go to the other side of the draw. Not that I think that's going to be uh, difficult, but we saw that happen to them last year. We saw what losing in week one did to Penrith last year. Geez, they had to do it the tough way. Mm. Yeah, finals, new ball game, man. New ball game. Yeah, Penrith deserved to be favourites, but wowee. Yeah. These people saying it's comps over and Penrith just really going to lift the trophy. Well, I think we're going to see some uh, we're going to see some upsets and some shocks over the next four weeks. Yeah, and again, I don't think even this week looking at the outside, I think all the outsiders were chance, honestly. I think everyone's I really chance. do. That's that's the difference. Uh, I, I wouldn't consider... It's only the teams with injuries. We always talk about health. Like Health is, whether people like it or not, health, home field, yeah, home field, mm. but health, it's health. Well, Have you got your best team on the park? That's the one thing that makes me look at Penrith and go, if they win this week, huge driver's seat. Because this year they actually get the home final. Mm. And coming in this week with Cleary coming back, Luai coming back, all that, I think they literally, again, on that website where you usually see everybody has at least a couple of names, I think they have literally zero names on that list again. Mm. So if they're coming in completely unscathed, the opposite to last year, it is all in their hands to not stuff this up, which yeah, is probably... Sometimes it's like, what's better, adversity or a smooth... Yeah, well, look at last year. They won under adversity with all those guys, but I'm saying this time around, all, all the things are falling into place for them to take full advantage, but they have to, I think, this time get it done week one. Oh, I, I, you don't want to agree. go a long way regardless of whether you're healthy this time around or not. Last year they did it the That's hard. why they left their whole they, team to train in Sydney they while they earned it last New South year. Wales Cup team went up to... They really Queensland. earned it last year, mm. but they're in the prime position this year if things go right, but... Um, Jumping in to the reviews of the bottom eight and obviously had a look today at our ladders and some things um, in terms of what we did. We picked seven of the top eight, both of us. The one not like everybody. Who did we get wrong? Cowboys. And we had Manly in. But yeah. we preface every year, obviously, that Manly obviously comes down to Tom and being very top here with their yeah. salary cap. And if he falls over, last year, you see what happens when they're healthy and things are going good. I also still stand by what I said when a lot of people were getting angry that I was talking about his season and what other players would have done under those Oztag rules, Billy Slater, Jared Hayne, Greg Inglis, etc. That, you know, that that last year to me is a bit of an anomaly in terms of what they did. Who? Those rules really suited Manly and the basically Oztag and touch football style. I don't know about that. But, you know, this year, Tom obviously only played six... I think he's, he's proven that he's an outstanding player at origin level. Mm. But, mm. Well, he only played six or seven games... Yeah, that um, killed him. So but... that's probably the difference. Cowboys, I obviously said that I liked their young kids and I think I could see some improvement. I didn't have them in the eight, but no, neither I. I on the flip side of that, yeah, you had them as the I, one I spoon. Well, and so. I stand by what I said in the preseason. I, I thought that they were going to do it significantly tough because mm. young kids going in and learning in first grade, I, they're almost the best team that I've ever seen do it. Even, even you go back and you look at this Penrith team, when they were playing at the same time in their first grade careers as the Cowboys, they weren't playing at this level. No way in the world. Uh, they, they've, and I said it after four weeks, I've got that wrong. And you, you can change your opinion. And yeah, well, I, my opinion at that point in time was horribly wrong and I'll own that. Mm. Uh, but, but we both I flipped went. pretty quickly on it. And I'm at the point now where I think a lot of people are sort of going the other way on the Cowboys. They're disrespecting them a little bit heading into the finals. Yeah, I definitely I'm um, very, very weary of them. 
Mm. Well, we both went seven of eight, so that's the only one we got wrong. Um, in terms of our overs-unders, we did well. We got 11 of 16. Yeah. So I think there was only one that we had opposites on. Other than that, we were pretty much identical. Um, so Broncos, we both went the under. It was 10 and a half. Um, we were wrong on that. They got 13. Cowboys over-under. I went over. Seven and a half, you went under. They obviously won 17. Um, that was one of the ones we were opposite. We both went under for the Bulldogs, nine and a half. That was seven. Dragons, we both went over seven and a half. They got 12. Eels, over 13 and a half. We both went that. It was 16. Knights, we got right. We both went under nine and a half. It was only six. Um, we went under on the Panthers. We were wrong. I think we said they'd win right around there, 17 and a half. They won 20. Yeah. So that's outstanding by them. Uh, South, we both went under. We nailed it. It was 14 and a half. They won 14. Yeah, I think the reason why we said... Well, Penrith, Penrith, we thought Origin No, Nathan no, Cleary's yeah, out for Cleary the first and month. Origin, and they're not winning during Origin because their depth... Well, they also teams. won. What did they win their opening month without Cleary? That's my point. So yeah. you take those few games and winning through Origin. Yeah. Probably... I, again, I'd, I'd make the same prediction now. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Um, Raiders, we were both the over 11 and a half. It was 14. Roosters, we went the over. Obviously, injuries in their start. They missed by a game and a half. Uh, Eagles, we both went under. We were right. That was 15 and a half. They only won nine. Uh, Sharkies, we went over. That one absolutely pissed in. 18, they got 12 and a half. Storm, we went the over. Again, no one predicted that injury toll. Uh, I think <coughs> give them a couple of those players back. Certainly put themselves in that position. That was 17 and a half. That book, they got to 15. Titans, we went the under. We nailed it. 11 and a half. They got six. The one that probably I'm shaking my head at, like the Cowboys, you know, you obviously had them last, but I had the Warriors to get over the eight and a half. They only won six. Silly boy. Things really went off the rails with me, getting them sitting outside the eight, but maybe doing a little bit better this year. I was wrong on that. You went the under, so that's the two that we had opposite. And the Tigers, no surprise, we were both under seven and a half. They only won four. Yeah. So... Other predictions that were now sorted. We both had Storm for the minor premiership. Obviously, that didn't play out. Um, Spoon, I got the Tigers right. You had the Cowboys. Slider, we both had the Knights. That's correct. Improver, we both had the Sharks. That's correct. Dark Horse, I sort of said again that I thought if everything went right for the Warriors, maybe they could get an eight, but not for the competition. Just to make the finals. Obviously, that was wrong. Uh, You had the Raiders. They've slid into eighth, so see what happens there. Top point scorer. Neither of us got that one. Um, you went Nathan, I had a roughie on Momorowski if he kicked goals, which didn't happen. That's even blade. Top try scorer, you had Saab. He barely scored this year. He did nothing. I had Sandy Katoa, who was leading, and then he had a shoulder reconstruction. So yeah, those ones, obviously, you can't do much about injuries. Dalliam's yet to be decided, uh, but we both talked about Munster, and then we had another option. I had Harry, you had Cleary. I don't think any of those guys are going to win it. No. And our sure bet, I nailed my one. I had Sharks top eight at $2.10. Uh, your one's missed. You had Eels top eight, Roosters top four at 270. Obviously, the Roosters didn't go top four. Thanks, start. A, thanks a lot, Bin Laden. Cost Should have flipped them. So our Premier <laughs> picks are still alive. Um, but at this point in time, I'm not confident in either of them. I ended up going with the Storm for the farewell tour and all the players that were leaving. You had the Roosters. There's still some hope for that. Um, but yeah. yeah I, I just didn't want to pick Penrith. Everyone just picked Penrith. Because I literally... Penrith, Penrith, Penrith. Well, I listened back tell to me, Tell me how Penrith can fall over. If you, yeah. if you went and back Penrith at, what were they at the start of the year, like $4, $5? I listened $5? to it this afternoon. We talked about it again. Between them, we went somewhere else. So we I'd, acknowledge that Penrith are the best team. 100%. Yes. And we talked about the Roosters, and we also mentioned that this is Paris, probably last hurrah with the situation here. And they've yeah. pulled themselves that top four. So 
there you go. We've we've done all right. Seven of the top eight, 11 of the overs, unders, and a few bits and pieces there. If you got on the spoon, I know I've got a lot of Tigers hate it in the air. I'm sorry, but there you go. No different to the manly hate that I get. The spoon's there. Well, it's okay. We've we got a bit to talk about with the manly situation, dear Lord, but let's kick off these reviews and let's start with that team we just spoke about, the Tigers. Wooden Spooners, they obviously went under their prediction with bluebet.com.au. Predicted last, you predicted 15th. Well, pretty much on the money. They come last. They use 30 players. Um, is that all? And I brought this one up last year because I think this is a very important thing if you want to play finals football. Your away record. They were 2-10 and 10 away. Which, again, you look at the top eight teams, they're basically 50-50 on the road or better. No one outside of the eight again this year made the finals without being 50-50 or better. So it shows it's important yeah. to at least get half of them. They were the worst attacking team in the competition, the second worst defensive team in the competition. And I think the thing is, we've talked enough all year about all these issues as to where it starts, but you come into the year already in a situation where I wasn't confident, but the Maguire situation, him getting sacked, Sheen's leaks out of the club every single week, issues with players, Brooks finally had enough of their shit, Dewey's talking about other clubs and leaving, the guys that got loaned out, Leilua forcing his way out of the club, um, it's just it was just another episode of shit rolling downhill and the place leaks like a sip basket case so <clears throat> I think all, all in all again summed up on the back end of the year where they said that this needs to happen this is for the betterment of their future they go on to win only one more game Noddy's coaching career has probably been torched in the process here um, unfairly really with the circumstances he's been dealt we've just talked about it that most of these people that are making these changes moving forward are have been hands-off, and I will give credit, like I said, to the fact that they've put a line in the sand, at least given an idea of where they're moving forward. But I think the scary part here is, like you said, two coaches that are going to take over in a couple of years' time with zero coaching experience, with a team that's not in a great position right now, banking on juniors coming through, which they've shown in recent times, and us having had some involvement, that they struggle to get through the grades or keep these guys on board or stop other clubs from poaching them. So... They're putting all their eggs into the basket right now with a bunch of debuts But for winning kids. a Harold Matz comp doesn't mean you've got a good crop of juniors. Well, I've already talked about this before. 16 through to first grade, there's a huge change just from 16s to 18s. Yeah. They get their licences, there's girls, there's partying, there's uni. There's a bunch it's of lost that. It's just that because you won a Harold Matthews comp oh. and because you're a good Harold Matthews player, Means does not even mean that you're going to play SG ball. Does not even mean that you're going to play Jersey Fleet. Well, we've talked about this before. There's Australian schoolboys at 18 who you, don't even go on to play New South Wales no, Cup. But you won... All right, Matthews, how many people got through from that team? About four, the NRL? Into the NRL? Yeah. It was about four, wasn't it? Not even, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. And how many of them had a long career? Uh, none. There you go. I, my age group that no. year. They well, won. Junior, junior Moore's had a long career. Most yeah, of it was but in I mean, England. in the NRL, like rep football, that's my point. Well, he, he certainly didn't make, he didn't make enough money to retire. No, but I'm just saying, his career in general, he got there, but yeah. no one went on. He to was our Matthews player of the year. The group that I was in was a very, very good group. They did win the competition. There's a handful that have gone on. But again, taking that group again where everyone looked at it then and going, oh, this is red hot. They're all going to play first grade. Wade Graham, Lachlan Coote, and there's probably two others I can't think of right now. So Wade Graham and Lachlan Coote have obviously had very, very good careers. But those other names there that were as highly touted, if not more so, who, again, didn't get past SG ball. They got to 18s. They didn't play 20s, and most of them didn't play cup. It's because uh, your conversion between 16 rate, and 20. Oh, huge. Injuries, livestock, there's so many factors that come in. And then into it. if you get through that period and you're still playing at a decent level, mm. you're as good a chance as what 
a 16-year-old, the best 16-year-old in Harold Matthews was a player yeah. in first grade. And again, generally... We've got, got, we got kids there with us playing New South Wales Cup who, you, you're like, you're shocked at what they haven't been coached. You're shocked at what they don't know. Because a lot of these NRL clubs just put them in systems, in inverted commas, systems. They want to talk about their systems and processes, which is essentially just coaching out of a booklet. Mm. And they're not really taught how to play the game. No. So, again, we've seen, even from that group that we were sort of involved with, Justin's got his debut this year, Matt Amore. Yeah. Thomas on the bubble. But what do we do well with Justin? Like, I look back now and think, we what we did well with Justin was we let him play football. We let Justin be we Justin. Let, Justin be Justin. We we moved him. Um, he was playing at, at six for us well, for a little while. They didn't want. And then it. we identified that his his carry and his short passing yeah, game were aggressiveness. So we moved him to lock. And physically, he was getting bigger. And again, they didn't want us to take him as a backup half. But it wasn't even essentially that we. Picked... There were people at the Tigers that were like, "No, you can't. He shouldn't. You shouldn't be picking him. Yeah, he's we, too young. It wasn't even the fact he's not good enough. Yeah, it was not even that they were like, ah, oh, he's not a good enough six. I'm like, why are you just picking him as a six? He looks like a good footballer. And then when you spend a bit of time with him, you figure out those things that you're talking about. That hey, he's got a good carry. He's got good footwork. But the problem also is is that part timers like us who are coaching them know more than what the full time staff do. Yeah, whose job it is to know everything about every player at the club, and that is why they are in the position that they are in. And the prime example is we had one or two there that were highly touted that aren't playing now already. Yeah, feed the farm, man. So plant the seeds and feed the farm. It's good that again they've had. A bit of luck um, in this crop, and they've managed. No, they, have, to they haven't had luck. No, they've well, done a good job. They've done a, they've good, done a job good job. This, the the point is group. now, how many will they get through? And it's not all just within your control. It's also on the kids as well. Mm. So well, they're assuming they're assuming that uh, they've signed plenty of them up. But if they're they're, just, they're all going to come through. If they're 16, 17 now, they're all still minimum three to four years away from playing grade, and they're making a significant impact in grade. And what's your plan? It takes a very rare few. What's your plan to transition in. them through the grades? Yeah. And then in terms of what's coming through right now, there's a few slowly coming through. Their flag results have been decent this year. They got eliminated on the weekend. But those guys need time in cup and time with men and time to get better. And the debuts that have gone into guys the last few weeks, uh, you know, Polo, uh, Katogo got to play on the weekend, Matamori, et cetera, they're all early in what was expected as well. So realistically... Look at how they went. Yeah. Well, I think Polo's... The the result... the, The result tells you that they're not ready to play first nah, grade. Polo is probably the only one I think's really held his own physically and where he's at uh, at this point in time. But again, ahead of... Against a team who had nothing to play for, mm. who rested their best player. And I think the scarier part still, again, for them right now is Hastings was one of their better players. There's even talk still around him being moved on, not being part of their plans. Dewey was their love last year, and he's not happy with how things are going and the way things are being handled. They're in a situation, again, where the few players they do have in their club aren't sold on what's going on. And Luke Brooks gave them the option to finally let him go at the start of the year. They said no. Then they've gone off in mid-year. He's finally come out in the front foot and thrown a few punches at the club, which I say good on Luke Brooks. And we still don't know the situation moving forward with him next year. Seems like they're going to stick with him because from all reports, Jock Madden's going out the door. But I just think at this point in time, if you're Luke Brooks, you're like, why the fuck do I want to be here? If I'm Luke Brooks, I'm agitating to finally get out. I know this last year's worth a mint, and he'll definitely get another deal whether people like it or not somewhere else. Won't be for anywhere near as much money. But at this point in time, the fact they didn't let him go at the start of the year and they had the opportunity to, and now they've tried to leak things and flip it on its head, I say sucked into him that he's going to be there next year, potentially at $950,000. Yeah. They had their chance. I'm over talking about the times. So, um, in review, terrible. Plain and simple.
we come last. Situation. Ten minutes talking about a team who stunk. Hasn't got any better. Um, and again, it's it's a long path. But I think the scarier part is what we talked about. They haven't played finals since when? Like 2010 or whatever. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If this, if this plan doesn't work, you have to restart again. So if they get threes down the track and the team's not looking in good shape and Benji takes over and things are shaky and then he struggles, this could all be in vain. And again, there's no guarantee on your conversion rate of getting those guys all the way through. But they need to keep grinding in particular at that level because they need those guys to come through because the biggest problem, again, when you're in the situation right now is what they're struggling with is attracting players and not having to pay overs for them. So, um, yeah, a fair few heading out the door. Only a couple coming in the door. Be very interested to see how this offseason goes. But some of their better players this year, Hastings, obviously, very, very good on return. Thought off a hand, Gary. He really surprised me. Had a good year. Um, scary part is I'm pretty sure I've said this before. He's got an option for next year. I don't think he's taken it yet. So he could potentially not be there either if someone's interested. Um, and then the other one I thought late in the year, good inclusion, someone who shouldn't have left the NRL, but obviously I think New Brown made good fist of his opportunity at the yeah. back end of the year. Yeah. In, you know, un- unideal circumstances. But, yeah, leave that one behind. Warriors, they finished 15th. Their unders, overs was eight and a half. Uh, I was wrong. You were right on that one. They used 30 players, 13th in attack. They were the worst defensive team in the competition. Predicted, you know, I had them at 10th. You had them at 11th. They finished 15th, but again, not in the eight. Six wins, 18 losses. Their away record doesn't matter because they're basically away for the whole season anyway. Yeah. But by accuracy of when they played up there or home uh, around the league, they're one and 11, which pretty much sums everything up. But this was doomed from the start again. It was another year away. Tohu wasn't healthy to go from the start. Um, this whole setup was just unsustainable. And then the fact that they had some injuries early on again for Noel Blake. Aiken, a couple of guys got hurt. They're still in the situation where they're getting moved around and they've got pushback on their way to get home. Storm, again on Anzac Day, absolutely blow the doors off him. Nathan Brown reaches that point where he's got his family talking about moving to New Zealand and the stability there, and he makes the decision to let the club know basically where he's at, and they let him go immediately, and Jones takes over. Like, this was just a just similar deal, just got worse and worse as the year went on. Yeah, um, and, and, and a no lot of it, defensive resilience. They finished last exactly. in defence. That, that's got nothing to do with coaches. No. But I get and nothing to do with living arrangement. That's got to do with just wanting to put your body on the line, and they've got a clear lack of passion for that jersey. And I think a big part of that, again, there's a few guys that stopped in wide. Not the people at the club, the players, a lot of the players that are wearing the jersey. Mm. But there's a few guys that obviously, I'm trying to make the point, stopped in as well while they're in Australia, have jumped off with the thought of going back to New Zealand as well, yeah. which is probably not an ideal situation. So They've been used as a stepping stone in some regards. This is the first time they're going to be back home. Um, they've got at least some clarity now on their situation. They've got a new coach in 
Webster, who has spent some time there, been in some different situations. Very good defensive coach. Has obviously moved into a different role. He's been at Penrith from being the attacking coach. So yeah, he can coach um, both sides of the ball. I think probably the best thing for here is that he's been involved at all levels, junior pathways development, um, and now obviously at a very very successful club and getting a look at the pathways at the Penrith side of things. Here with him, obviously, we've talked about it. So the biggest thing is not just results next year because that can't be the focus. It's got to be the re-establishment of everything pathways-wise yeah. because they've been so interrupted and that's a big hole for them, which has probably hurt them more than it's hurt anybody else. They established an SG ball team that was looking very, very impressive and then COVID hit and that team got torn apart. And that was going to be one of those ones, again, that you hopefully see some fruit from. And instead... They've been away from New Zealand. They've been away from pathways. Everything's been neglected full stop. I think I saw not long ago they are going to be back in the SG ball. And maybe yeah, flag. Um, no, because obviously cut. now they're separate from the Redcliffe setup because they're coming in on their own as the Dolphins and they're going to back a New South Wales Cup. So yeah. they're going to establish their pathways. Webster's good at that sort of stuff. They've got McFadden back in who's been there before and done some stuff at Canberra. Their whole and sole focus, again, needs to be getting back in those competitions and starting to push some guys through because when they have to recruit, we've seen what happens. When they're back in New Zealand, they generally struggle to get players. It was easy to get a few guys while they're over here, um, but that's their biggest source of life. And the fact that they finally got into the Australian pathway system, which was going to help them more with their internal development, was stopped by COVID, really, really hurt. 100%. So I think what's been recruited for next year also... They've got every right to finish there. 100%. That like No one's had it worse. When you're talking about... Circumstances, oh. but what I what I can't copy is finishing last in defence. No, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to defend that. I'm not going to defend that at all. But I, no, whether, whether people like they can, they can talk about being away from home and like all the external stuff. I understand and yeah. I sympathise with. But when it comes down to it, you knew what you were getting into when you signed up for it. Yeah, you're a professional footballer. You should be able to tackle. You yeah. should be able to. Yeah, put your, put your uh, best foot forward defensively every week. I, I really struggle with that. 15 players departing, so a huge turnover. In particular, those guys, yeah, like yeah. I said, back to Australia. The Walsh situation, disappointing. Um, what's happened there after they took the risk to get him over. Aiken and multiple others moving on. Well, the club the club were rightfully off him because he's sort of gone, well, I, I want to go back to Brisbane. And, yeah, and there's some personal reasons too. Yeah, but, I yeah. understand that, but... You know, the club gave him his inner opportunity when Brisbane wouldn't. Mm. And he's going straight And they'd probably feel as though he owed them a little bit, rightly or wrongly. And he's just pushed them aside and returned back to the Broncos. Mm. Well, like you said, um, I don't agree with them letting Katoa go, but I'm happy with where he's ended up because he's coming to the storm. Uh, Nick Arima obviously left early. Taylor retired. There was a lot of guys early on in the year. Louis, who was signed temporarily, he's gone. Harris DeVita's taking a gap year. Arcee, they brought in, they're letting go. A couple of younger guys are letting go as well from their system. Um, what's coming in, I don't actually mind. I think Brown yeah. left him with a few good players on his way out the door. Murata Kore was a former warrior. Him coming in to join Harris and Fanua Blake gives you some good veterans and a solid forward pack. I think, again, a few times they've had an Australian who's a bit crazy and... Uh, you know, one of those guys that's just no nonsense in their forward pack. It's made a difference. They're getting Mitch Barnett from Newcastle, who's certainly that type of player. Yeah. Um, and then some of the options that are coming in in some other positions. Tamari Martin established himself at the Broncos has essentially been pushed out the door with 
Walsh coming back in. I, I like Martin going over there. Um, I guess my question more is with him, Metcalf, who I think is a bit of a smoky, coming from the Sharks at good value, is where everyone sort of fits. So Harris DeVita and a couple of these guys are gone. They brought Volkman over, who's still in a young. Woo, who's the fullback? Who's in the halves? Like, Johnson's got one more year to run. Do they play him at seven? Do they play Martin at fullback to give that guy at the back like he's been for Brisbane who can sum up shape, or do they push him in six? They've got Nickel Clogstad coming. Do they play him as the one? Yeah, they don't play in the preseason. Yeah, does Metcalf play as a one or a half? Like, But I think some of the signings that are coming in um, are actually pretty good. So mm. it'll be their full-time established back in New Zealand. Home games in New Zealand, no more excuses. Everyone that's going there knows that's where they're going to be. So... Um, this year, unfortunately, like we said, was just more instability, more issues, and unfortunately, most of it to do with the club and off the field, which is never good. So, moving on from that, uh, Newcastle, 14th, over and under was nine and a half. We both went under, which was correct. Uh, we predicted 12th, 13th. They end up finishing 14th, six wins, 18 losses. Their away record was four. And eight, which is funny enough, they were better on the road than what they were at home. They used 31 players. They were the second worst attacking team. They're the third worst defensive team in the competition again. And this one similarly started at the start of the year when they let their halfback go. Yeah. Pierce was gone. Braley got injured again. And straight away you're looking going, well, Jesus Christ, you've got almost no one in your spine except Ponga. He ends up having another one of these years where it's more about off-field. The coach, knows, the coach knows what winning looks like, though. Yeah, apparently. But- we don't need a halfback. No. <clears throat> the circus around his contract and okay. club football. And then you see those glimpses again when he goes off to play Origin, comes back, has issues with a concussion, then finishes up with a toilet scandal at the back end of the year. I think <clears throat> the toilet scandal pretty much sums up Newcastle season again. Into the toilet. It started with promise. Three games there where they showed some defensive resilience and looked like they were going to have a fight. A, a guy that I even today had to remind myself when I was looking, Jake Clifford, I think won three men of the matches in a row. And, you know... Oh, Best thoughts and wishes with him. He's apparently having some off-field dramas and some struggles in his life, and I hope that all worked out for him. But, you know, from where they started to where they got to and then just some decisions coming into the season, yeah, a mess. And and they're not in any better situation now. They've got the Clemmer drama where they're still trying to sort that out. Hayden Knowles has walked out of the club. Clemmer's apparently still looking to find his way out. Um, there's been talk about Frizzell and Brooks doing a player swap. There's other senior players at the club that aren't happy Gagai started the year okay. By the back end of the year, he was missing tackles left, right, and centre. He's on a big wage. Best injured again and playing bad football. Um, plenty of big names in their team and just not delivering. And I know they had a big run of injuries, which really hurt them on the back of all those issues. But when they got their players back at the back end of the year, after they looked like they were starting to pick things up a little bit, they just went off the track again. Hmm. Um, and similarly, what's coming in and what's going out, they've got... I think Adam Elliott coming, who's obviously got a great attitude for that middle and the forward pack and has really re-established himself at Canberra this year. And Jack Hetherington, who, you know, great energy and great intent, but gets suspended every three weeks. Mm. Um, I guess the big question is, I'm sure we haven't heard the end of their recruitment. They have to find a half. Whether they look at Brooks again, I don't know. Whether they can convince Madden to come back or they did look at him and he's looking at the Penrith situation thinking this is better for my career than going there, I don't know. Um, but I think for them, we haven't heard the last from Newcastle. There's certainly more to play out with clamour, those Frizzell murmurs and some other bits and pieces. Mm, definitely. Um, unfortunately for Newcastle fans. and Yeah, I, I, I think probably the, the other upside that we talked about, looking at what's coming through, um, 
sort of, again, not as much as probably been pushed to the pipeline the last few years as what they would have hoped. We got a real good look at Oren Keeley, who played the other week because the HIA, the young SG ball player, mm. he looks like a corker. Um, so hopefully he keeps developing in the back row. Max Bradbury played in the New South Wales 19s. He's a front rower. Um, their flag team at the moment second. I haven't seen much of them this year, but hopefully they can push a, f- a few through that because their cup team, unfortunately, didn't have a great year. So no. they've probably got a couple I mean, of years away from hopefully pushing some kids through. Um, and then just some of the fringe signings, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed. Like Tex Hoy, I've said it before, I think it's too early for him to be going. But I think it's obvious. We've both said that. Yeah. Crossland still not signed. I think but saying be, it doesn't keep me. No, I think there'd be some clubs maybe interested in a Crossland as well. Again, it's a similar situation. If there's nothing really there, you might go to England as well. But they've got a huge gap in their halves. Huge gap. What happens with Clifford, I have no idea. Clune's not the answer. And the Milf- issue is, Milf- when you let Pierce Milf- go, what's your plan? And they didn't have one. No. Well, I think they might have banked on the Brooks thing too much. They should have got it over the line, Please. at least before they agreed to let Pierce go. Correct. But they didn't. That's what I always say to you. And then everything went, like we if said. If you're going to let someone go, you need to make sure you've got someone of equal or better value It got in. worse once Braley went down and they essentially had Ponga on his own in the spine. Yeah. And... I heard a lot, of, a lot of people have talked about the forward pack. I know they did a good job getting forward, but they certainly didn't do a good job holding up defensively. No. Um, and that's how they find again. themselves where they are. But, yeah, right at the bottom. Uh, Adam O'Brien, it's been three years now. They've gone backwards this year heavily. Um, I think there'll be a lot of talk about him coming into the new year. Peter Parr's there now. Hopefully can help out with some uh, contract stuff and some off-field and the way they run the club, but... We just think he's not going to survive another year. No, not like that. Like this one. So no doubt, like I said, I think the big thing for them is we... I don't think we've heard the end of their movement. Those two players won't be the only two players. No. Um, because certainly in the spine is where they, they need to get better. Um, and looking, again, about what's going out the door and what's coming in a lot more out than what's going in. Only a couple of re-signings and in particular huge holes in their spine. Mm. And then just so much key forwards. So. Good luck. Yeah, Adam O'Brien, year four. Uh, if it starts bad, it could be over very, very quickly. Uh, the Gold Coast Titans finished up in 13th. Over under was 11.5. We both had the under, so we're right on that. Predicted ninth, obviously off the back of the year they had before that, and thinking they'd miss the eight, but hopefully put up a better fight than what they did. They end up going 13th. Very disappointing. They used 28 players, six wins, eight and losses. Away record, one and 11. Um, and again, similar to all these teams, 12th in attack, 13th defensively, and that pretty much sums them up. When they wanted to attack, they're very happy on that side of the ball. 1-11 away from home. 1-11 away. So their first away win was a weekend. There you go. I should have went 0-12 away from home. So horrendous on the road, but I think everything's pretty much Defence. With defence. Defence, defensively. all year. The best game that the Titans played this year was round one against Parra. They were outstanding that day. Yeah, and they, But again, they conceded 30 points, and I said it after that game. They they can talk about how good a footy they want to play offensively, mm. but until they can keep teams below 20 points, they're, they're never going to compete with anyone in the top eight. No, and I think they put their hand up and probably admitted they were wrong in letting Fogarty go when they went with the least experienced spine in the competition. And then they ended up signing Kieran Foran at the back end of the year. Yeah, and pretty much pissed Toby the, Sexton off for the last month. They've month. gone the opposite direction of what they said they were trying to get. So they banked on their young spine, the least yeah. experienced spine in the competition, and then they've got Verrills and Foran coming. So the hooker situation, um, obviously the half situation. Sexton, like I said, yeah, I think was very much left out in the lurch, and I didn't agree with what happened at the back end of the year. 
Tanner did have some nice games uh, on the run-in, but I thought Sexton got hung out to dry a little bit. He led the competition in dropouts and had a good short-kicking mm-hmm. game. He just needed a little bit more support around him, and it obviously doesn't help again when your team leaks like a sieve. Yeah. Um, so I'm more interested now, looking towards next year, about who is the seven. Because mm. Foreign's the six. They can't play him as a seven. Verrills is your nine. Who is the seven? And that way, Brimson, who's your one? Sexton's your seven. So they've got Brimson and Campbell to squeeze into a jersey. They've got to figure out who their 14 is. Is Boyd the, the 14? Boyd's your 14. Who's your one? Verrills is your nine. Campbell's your one. So where's AJ Brimson go? This is the sort of thing I'm looking at with them again, going, well, all the pieces sort of don't fit. Play center, mate. But, yeah. And I think the other one as well. Fafita. Fafita is uh, off off contract next year. I think they've already made an offer to him, a reduced offer. If they can get him on what would be a more appropriate contract along with both and more, it's a great back row. But probably the biggest move I think they've made in the offseason is they've gone for Brett White as their defensive coach Mm. to try and finally make a change there. Yeah, highly touted from what he's done in Canberra. Uh, in saying that, though, Canberra at the best of times can uh, leak some points and other times be very, very aggressive, but they certainly need an attitude adjustment on that side of the ball. So Holbrook hopefully getting a little more help in that department for the Gold Coast. Um, uh, there were some positives to take away. Tino, in general, and how he was this whole season was incredible. Yeah, um, I felt bad at times, though, for the fact that he had to do what he had to do it felt like he had, you know, no support some weeks. Disappointed in a couple of guys that are good footballers, but are just too hot and cold, which sums them up. You have Sammy and Kelly and some of these guys that have great days. I thought Moe was even a bit disappointing this year. Um, but hopefully a bit more stability with those few guys in the spine. Some good kids. I think Jojo Fafita was pretty handy at the back end of the year. Mm. And coming in in hard circumstances, you've still got some guys coming through. Uh, Weaver's another young half. I don't think he'd be ready for first grade, but he'd be around the setup. Ryan Four in a second row, who's an Aussie schoolboy, so they've got a few guys there. But it was a good year, like you said, for, for Tino. Both and more came along. Campbell, when he was on the field, proved to be a handful. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, so that there is some positives there, but I think the biggest thing that we said, if they learned how to defend and maybe conceded only three tries a week instead of five or six, they'd probably win more football games. Yeah. But do you think they can get there with those few additions to their spine? Is yeah. that enough? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's enough. There's certainly some talent in the team. It's defence. Mm. Can score certainly. enough points. But, um, yeah, old Holbrook, uh, hopefully, like you said, some troops and a bit of help on the coaching front and hopefully uh, can turn things around a little bit for him. So, moving off that one, the Doggies finished 12th. Over-under was 9.5. We both went the under. We were right there. We predicted 13th and 14th. They obviously... Had a bit of a surge late the year under Potsy. Um, seven wins, 17 losses. They used 31 players. Their away record was 2-10. and 10, 14th in attack, 11th defensively. Um, the start to the year was awful, unfortunately, for Trent Barrett. And really stuck to his guns about trying to implement that Penrith system with the players they had there. And in the end, it's pretty much cost him his job. Basically. Um, refusing to... He didn't adapt. Make those changes or adapt or stick into your style is what gets you killed in the end. You have to adapt to the plays you've gotten. In the end, I still go back to what I said before, rightly or wrongly, whether you people agree with it or not. Gus saying that he rang him and he was... That, that's all crock shit. He was pushed. There's no doubt about it. He yeah, didn't quit. But it is what it, it doesn't is. Matter. He's it moved doesn't matter. on. Gus has come in. They've made some big signings in, coming into this season which haven't worked out. There's still some movement going on there. 
They've got Kikau coming next year. They've got Reed Marnie, Ryan Sutton. I have no doubt in my mind that Luke Thompson won't be there with the situation that's gone on there. I'm pretty sure they'd still be working in the background to move on Flanagan and Allen. So, again, I, I don't think the Bulldogs' movement is over yet. Um, but with Mick at the back end of the year, I think he did exactly what you'd look to do. He played more to the players' strengths. They loosened up a little bit in attack. They moved the football more. The move to Avarillo to one, I was so happy about him in the last couple of years that he needs to play somewhere where he's free. Not He was never going to be a seven. One suited him. Carraz made a good impact. Shop got better. Fox looked a lot happier at the back end of the year, um, along with Burton, who looked a lot more free in the way he attacked. And even Flanagan. Flanagan played better football um, once Potsy sort of took over the steering wheel. And I, I think in general, just as a whole, they sort of come together at uh, the back end of the year and, and played some good football once things were sorted with a lot of guys knowing the situation with the club, the coach, and their own contract thing. They obviously flattened out the last few weeks. Yeah. When, when the season was done, they... Flattened out. Mm. But they certainly in, had a middle middle year resurgence there, though. Yeah. Moving into the next year, I, I guess, again, huge turnover. Um, another one of these clubs, once Gus sort of got in, where we, we saw it start early. Like, Dufty headed out the door mid-season. Hetherington was signed off the back of that injury. Marshall King, Brett Naden left mid-season. Vaughney moving on. They only re-signed a handful internally. And then off-contract still, and I'm pretty sure all these guys... Will be released if not confirmed yet. You've got Dury, Zach Hetherington, Reese Hoffman, Tui Katoa, Joe Stimson, Jackson Topine, and Brandon Wakeham. Mm. So they're they're still going to have some gaps to fill. Whether they upgrade internally, whether they bring in some guys, um, I've seen some talk the last few days about some more signings. Apparently, they're going to be getting Franklin Pele, that young prop from the Sharks who hasn't seen much opportunity. Mm. Um, he's looking to make the move over. They've signed, apparently, the back rower who we played the other week in Cup, Jack, Jacob Preston. He's the flag captain for the Roosters. Yeah. He's apparently coming over. And, again, I don't think it's been announced out loud, but I'm, Gus has done a few trips up and back from Queensland and around there. I'm pretty sure they've poached the young halfback from the Cowboys whose path's going to be blocked for the next few years, Thomas Duffy. So he's not going to be ready to play first grade straight away, but they certainly look to get some guys in the pipeline by recruiting rather than developing. Yeah. So he's young we'll Australian schoolboy. Yeah, they're obviously going to put we'll time into that, we'll but they need both. to get guys into the pipeline now where they don't have them. Definitely. So Duffy's a highly well, talented. Just, again, you just want to flip players. If yeah. you can flip one player on your roster for a better player, then that's good business. Well, he's one of the highly touted halfback coming through. They had a few there. They've got Thomas Chester as well. They've obviously got Deed, and they've got plenty in the barrel. So he's obviously looking, and they've offered the fact that the pathway is going to be much quicker at the Bulldogs if he comes down for you know, a couple of years there or maybe 18 months and gets a bit of a crash course, you could be playing first grade by, you know, start of 2024. Mm. But, yeah, they're making moves, obviously, to fill gaps in at all levels. Guys that are ready for first grade, guys that are on the fringe of first grade and guys to fill in the gap in their development, which obviously we know is there. And they're going to put a lot of folks into that. So, Serraldo, um, I guess the other question, what happens when he gets in? Does he hit the ground running? What's the expectations now after the way they finish the season and with the players they've got coming in? Um, and then again, like we said, the question marks over, I guess, the movement that's still there. There's been a lot of talk around Thompson. He obviously went home. Flanagan, we know from the start of the year to now, and they've tried to offload him. They've tried to offload Allen. I think there's more movement to come out of the Bulldogs. But if you're a Bulldogs fan, what would you be hoping for next year with what's uh, coming out? Would you be hoping you're in a similar position, probably around the eight, probably not in the eight, or do you think with what they've recruited and the way... Well, you've got to think that they're going to be able to go and compete with the teams above them. 
<clears throat> essentially. So if you spine round one next year is Avarillo, Burton, Flanagan, Reed Marnie with kick out now in your forward pack, you think, you know, they're in a position to compete for the eight? Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. So long term. Providing that they're all fit. Mm. It's obviously a long term deal. Five years, so plenty of time there. And a long time focus. But uh yeah, yeah I get it. again I this yeah, year five is- years, okay. There'd be, there'd be things in there, stipulations in there, which would mean that it, it won't be five years if it was, um, if if the, the teams aren't performing essentially. Mm. Mm. So it's been an interesting year for the Bulldogs. It's been a rough few years in general, but hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Gus obviously coming in and trying to take control um, of a lot of things off the field and internally in the club. Mick uh, looking like he might have a role to play as well after the job he's done for them at the back end of the year. Yeah. Um, some good players coming on board, but yeah, I think there's still a lot of movement that needs to be done within this roster. Yeah. And then obviously fixing up some of that pathway stuff. So keep your eyes on them in the off season and some more moves to come, like we said, around a couple of those guys. But um, yeah, some of your better performers this year, I think they would have been much happier at the back end of the year of what they got out of Burton and Addo Carr. For Talamaro, once he come back, I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, missed him at the start of the year. You know, I think Marshall King, you know, I think Reed Martin is a good player. But again, just depending on what you spend and what Marshall King's, I think Marshall King is a good player. Yeah. I think he had a really good year. Um, in, in terms of another question, there's one name I forgot. The other one, I just, it happens every year, everywhere he's been. Pungai Jr. I, I was baffled the fact they signed him for close to $900,000, yeah, yeah. but they're already talking about it, moving him on again. Like, well, of course. Surely after the amount of clubs he's been out in the amount of situations, if they move him on this time, they're going to have to pay a lot of wedge. How long did they sign him for? I think at least three years, I think it was. Yeah. So he'd still have two years to run a 900K. So like, how do you pay him that money? I just do not understand. Mm. It just blows my mind. But him and Thompson are on pretty big deal. I think the Thompson one will be a little bit easier if he wants to go home. Um, but yeah, the Pangai Junior one. Watch, watch that space again. But moving on from the doggies, Manly. Now, this one has uh, created a lot of interest, to say the least. If you think things couldn't get any more interesting than what already happened with the Pride jersey and everything the last seven weeks, now the last week, just all the talk about the new CEO, the divide that's in the club. There was talk about the Fultons being against Des and the way things are run and. Tony Mestroff giving him, uh, you know, a bit of a line in the sand moment, which is through Scott Penn. Like, there's just divide everywhere. But apparently, the way it looks right now is there's a divide in the playing group, there's a divide in the club, and they've pretty much given the ultimatum to Des that at the moment he's running everything and they want to take responsibility away from him. They want to take more control of the football club and they want to get rid of a lot of his staff. And if he doesn't like that, essentially he can go. So... <sighs> After Interesting. only seven weeks ago saying Des is going to be here as long as he wants, Scott Penn. Um, they've talked over the weekend that apparently he was locked out of the dressing sheds and um, they're having a bit of issue with one another. and Losing and controversy. Basically, Penn using Mestroff to try and act out what he wants on his side. The Fultons have apparently come out today and said that they are not involved in any part of this and are supportive of Des, so... Seems like there's a lot going on at Manly, and there's a meeting apparently coming up this Thursday where again it's going to be hashed out between the owner, the new GM, Des, and everybody at that club. But I, I dare say, 
if they want him to go, he's not just going to leave with one year to go yeah, and the money he's going to Who's be. coming in? Exactly. But if you're Des, even if you think it's going to be over, you're not leaving in the last year with the coin that he's going to be on without a job. Yeah. Um, and just the situation. Well, he lost his best player. They had the, the this whole crap about, oh, the jersey fiasco was the you know start of the end. Really, it wasn't. This, the start of the end was losing Tom Trebojevic. That, yeah, and they had other injuries <clears throat> come after that, and it got worse. That ended any chance they, or remote chance they had of winning the competition. And there was other disappointments. Like, you talk about the situation they finished up with a guy like Kieran Foran, who's had an outstanding couple of years in the service he's given. They've moved him on because of salary cap and pressure with Josh Schuster, who's barely played football this year. Mm. Um, and then some people have said as well, that's one of the issues internally, that a lot of people don't agree with the way Des Hasler handles the development of some of his younger players and, you know, the treatment they receive and stuff brought up about the bubble last year where apparently Daly Chavins was given special treatment. Well, all the dirty laundry's coming out. Players is, are off him, but this is what happens when this the This isn't good. Yeah. No, nah, falling apart. All, the, all this stuff starts coming out. So my biggest question mark here is the implications moving forward. And the scary part is we've been talking about this well before these leaks come just with their roster. Yeah. They're so top-heavy. They have $3 million plus dollars tied up in the Travojevic's and Daly Cherry Evans, they've got Tapau, Davey, and multiple guys going out the door. They've only got one player signed to come in, and they've got about six or seven spots still to fill. Mm. So with what's going out, what's coming in, and where they at salary cap-wise, it's it's not looking like it's going to get any better. And they've got some quality. When Tom's there, and Daly, and a couple of the kids they put in this year, Ola Kowatu proved to be you know a hell of a player, but you need depth. You need guys with your squad. You need guys coming through this pathway that they've set up out of Blacktown and trying to get some kids out of the area of, of Penrith and trying to get kids from Parramatta and the West region where they've picked Cherry Pick for a little while. Some of these guys haven't quite progressed through. Um, this year, their mats and ball were disappointing. I don't think they made the finals in either. They were 7th, ninth. Their Jersey flag team, I think, was 10th. So also on that side of thing, the investment they've made to get some of these kids out there, they're not getting as much through the pipeline is probably what they yeah, like. And Penrith have also probably put a stop to it and started to ensure that their protocols around releasing players and yeah, and all, the, all that stuff has tightened up. Mm. So, I don't know, but it's not good. The, but... other, the other side of it is Penrith winning over the last two years. Yeah. When Manly started to do that, Penrith were in the middle of a rebuild and Manly were, were probably a more attractive destination if you wanted to go and play first grade. Well, now, it's I, quite the opposite. I think everyone's tightened up, though, because their main culprits they were picking out were Para, Penrith, Dogs and West. Dogs are obviously mm. in a position where they're re-establishing their pathways. Parramatta certainly tightened up. Penrith have tightened up, and like you said, the success in West has certainly tightened things up, hence you know the result you see now. Mm. When we first got there, there's a few guys you looked at, and then the next minute they were gone, and you go, where'd mm. they go? And like, Every year we were there, we'd lose our best three or four players. Every Before year. you even started to Manly. Because yep. Manly were just going, yep, here you go. Canberra. Canberra took a few. So I think, like you said, a lot of those pathways they were going for have slimmed up a little bit. So yeah. um, There is a few there, but again, like we didn't really see them come through. Like young Alec Tuatabaki, he's got big reps on Army for Fida. We saw a little bit of him cut, but they need more of those guys to progress. Gordon Champ Tum Kong, who plays a bit of nine, a bit of halves. Jamie Humphreys coming through as a seven. Jacob Sykes was a forward. None of those guys have really pushed up. A lot of them play cup and flag. But they certainly need more coming through the pipeline with that, why they're so top-heavy. The cup won what? Two games? Yeah. Three games. Tui Pilotu um, worked out pretty well, I thought, when he got his opportunity. They got him from the Roosters. Cooler 
Again, uh, big ask, but he had some good moments. But overall, like I said, I think the, the scarier part is there's a lot leaving. And again, there's only one coming in the door. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. And then you hear all this stuff. I'm more with you. Honestly, who are they getting to coach? And if you're a coach externally at this as well, like when we talk about some of the candidates, this is not a job I'd want. No. No. And even with Penn, like this whole situation forever, he's been trying to sell the club apparently for ages, but hasn't got the money he wants, but then says he doesn't want to sell the club. You're either in or you're out. It needs to come to a point where I'm the owner of Manly and I want to be involved in the day-to-day instead of just sitting in New York and sitting at a distance and having an involvement every now and then, like when he left them high and dry and Des fronted the media and did an outstanding job after the whole issue came about with the Jersey situation. Yeah. Or you go, all right, I'm off over here doing my own thing. I'm not that keen. Let's hand it over to somebody who's actually going to you know, take control of this club, love what this club's all about, the history of the club, want to take it forward. Because mm-hmm. this situation as it stands right now with best off Des and everybody else. Get angry, Jeff. Oh, bring it back. Mm. This is not mm. looking good. No, it's not. I'm going to throw it out there hypothetically. But they have this meeting. Shit gets sideways. Des flips out. Quits. Who's coaching Manly next year? Do you th- they, oh. Man, I... And that's the th- they're another one of these clubs like you know they're talking about the Bulldogs Maybe, there, aren't they? Um, Michael Monaghan. Well, I think that's some of the staff. They want, I think they want to move on almost all his support staff. So mm. if that was the case, that's that's what I mean. I'm just very baffled by the situation. Yeah, it seems like they need to get on the same page. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm just trying to think of manly people that are working. You know, John Cartwright's there, isn't he? As an assistant? No, he's at uh, Brisbane. Okay, he was there, wasn't he? Who's, he's got who's there with Chad him? Randall's on field assistant, I think. He's blue shirt. Um, and then he's That's got. Right, I think he's got Hales with him and Monaghan, doesn't he? Mm. From remembering what's in his box. Well, I'd imagine, yeah, or Hales or Monaghan, you would think. But if they're looking to clean out his support staff, I think they're talking about Randall, Singe, Clear, all the guys you brought back with him. So, yeah. Um, interesting, again, this late in the season to be making those sort of moves. Yeah. But for Manly fans out there, good luck. This just. Yeah, the headline today pretty much summed it up. Destruction mm. of Manly. So, big meeting this Thursday. Uh, a lot to come from that. But, yeah, their season, seven losses in a row at the back end. After a slow start, they won four in a row, sort of in and out during that middle period of the year. And then it all just went downhill at the back end. So, yeah, big four from last year's top four performance. But moving on from that one, uh, we got the Dragons who finished 10th. Over, under was seven and a half. We both went uh, on the over, which is correct. We predicted 11th and 10th. You were right on that one. They finished 10th. 12 and 12 record. They used 29 players. Their away record was three and nine. Um, They were 11th in attack, 10th defensively. The start was pretty much, you know, things weren't looking good. They were one and five. It was all bad. Um, you know, coming into the year, it wasn't good when you're hearing stuff about the sim situation and moving on and they were going to invest in their kids and start developing. He canned a couple of those guys pretty much immediately and went with a lot of older heads. Questions around the recruitment of Burgess, Woods and just a lot of guys that you look at and who were recycled NRL players and a lot of development, but they just sort of were patchy. They went three in a row after that, including that Roosters win and Anzac Day. Then they got belted by the storm, hot and cold throughout the origin period. Um, you know, then at the back end of the year again, jagged a couple of games, had a losing streak again. Then they've closed out the year three, three in a row. 
Mm. So extremely streaky, but I think the biggest question again, and like I said, what's the path forward? Because regardless of being 12 and 12, this is not, they didn't make the top eight. A lot of guys there are not going to be there. They've got a lot of dead contracts. They've got a lot of dead wood. And then this situation now with Ben Hunt, who was their best player by country mile this year, being offered an extension, him now saying that he wants his extension linked to Griffin after they're talking about Griffin possibly moved on, even though they extended him for some unknown reason before the season started, without any interest being around him. Like I said, I stick by what I said last week. To me, that sort of question being put to the club by him more makes me think that Ben Hunt possibly be on his way out after his last season next year. Well, if not before. Yeah, so, if, if not before. And we talked about it as well. If they're starting at 700 and they're willing to go up to 850, if he hits the open market, Dolphins and plenty of other clubs would be easily willing to pay him 900 or a million dollars to play half. Definitely. That's the other sticking point. I know I said I think he should play nine, but at the back end of the career, he doesn't want to play nine at club. He wants to play half. No, he, but he's, he's happy to play nine at well, rep I football. always argue this. So he's not a nine. He's a seven. He's going to win the Dalian medal, like everyone's saying, at seven. So, Come on, guys. But, yeah, there's some really bad deals, like we said. They're moving on Sims and Maguire, but moving forward, you've still got Woods for another year because the clause they gave him, he played enough games. George Burgess still got another year. DeBellin was better at the back end, but still huge money in their salary cap until 2024. Kerr's got another year to run, and Byers got another year to run. McCulloch's got another year to run. They're trying to get him to retire. They paid Francis Molo $500,000, and he could barely get into their team at the back yeah, end. It's ridiculous. Um yeah, they've, they've got some bad contracts. And they're hamstrung by it. Because again, yeah. next year, they've got no one coming in at the moment. Mm. No one. They've got a few going out, and then they've still got six or seven guys off contract. Yeah. So, it's, again, what's the way forward? And how does it get better? Well, the way forward is, yeah, that the approach to start with was, well, we're just going to go and buy everyone else's scraps, which mm. is cool because you got them cheap and... You know, you you sort of work out which ones you've you're getting value from. You move the rest on, but they've they haven't developed their those junior well, players. They developed four was players or five players. They've played. Yeah, I, I agreed with them picking them in New South Wales Cup, but you know we played them and beat them twice, and there, there's players in there that are doing the same things, making the same mistakes. So. There's got to be some serious questions asked about uh, the development of the the players who they look at and go, well, they get, are they going to play NRL in three or four years' time? Or probably probably less, really. The next 12 to 18 months, we need them to be developing to week-to-week NRL players, which they're not now. How are we going to do that? Who's coaching them to do that? Because at the moment, it, it just seems like they, like you say, they go on streaks. They, they go on streaks where they play really, really well. They go on streaks where they're, they're awful. And, yeah, just... yeah it's, it's consistency. It's defense. I think defense is, a, again, a huge thing. Attack, they've just been really, really underwhelming. Yeah, they're lots well, of one outs. They run the last same Last year it was shape. all the old old school, wasn't it? You know, get, let's get all the old school guys in, yeah. and that really didn't work. They this year nothing, they got the new school in, and they've moved them on as well. So they, yeah, they get nothing from the nine. Like Amon was good in patches, but again, he's not getting a lot of support other than Hunt. Hunt has to do a lot on his own. Makes a lot of things just happen off his running game. Yeah, individually offloads, and he gets on the line. And he's awkward, and he's stocking. His kicking game is obviously outstanding. But like I talk about, all those bad contracts, the lack of development for Sullivan. Sloan, like they just need to make a decision. Yeah, S- Sullivan's not going to 
I'm sure he's happy to play first grade for now, but he's not going to play nine long term. That's not his position. Mm. And for his own personal body shape and the injuries he's had already, he's not going to hold up in the middle. Him and Amon come through as a six and a seven with Sloan. If you want to have a look at your future, those guys need to be playing those positions. Yeah. But if Hunt's going to be there a long time, obviously, then potentially they're going to have to let Sullivan go. But are they going to persist with Ramsey? Or do you give Sloan that opportunity? If they're happy with Ramsey, you stick with him. That might cost you Sloan as well. Um, but Sloan looks to me like the one that's going to go somewhere else, develop on and be a really, really good player. I think the other one they probably saw the benefit of giving him games like Amon, who got better at the back end of the year, was Fiano. Mm. Fiano was great at the back end of the year. Yeah. Um, his brother obviously had an injury at the start of the year, so he didn't get to develop as much. But yeah, there's a lot of older guys there. There's some bad contracts. They can't really move. I guess next year, again, they were good in flag. They won on the weekend. They've seen some guys that Illawarra pathway that had a few poached. Um, some of those guys went up and played some cup football and started their development. But, um, you know, Phoenix Finity, who's like a middle or an edge. Trey Stewart's a fullback again. Alexander Lobb, um, Benny Johnson, center wingers. They've, they've got some guys there. Zach Herring played cup. He's a flag player. Yeah. Um, he's another half. Uh, Bryce Magnonia, he's got big raps. He's a prop in their flag team. Josh Corrick, who played a little bit of cup again, was from that Illawarra setup. Um, and Jackson Sherub. So, again, they, they need to push those guys through. And it, it, you need it more when, again, you're tied up and you're not able to recruit. So, mm. I, I think next year they're going to be in a similar situa- situation, if not go backwards. Because you can't move anyone. You can't yeah. do anything. Well, it looks that way. They're going to get out and maybe, again, re-sign a couple of guys on the cheap or upgrade a couple of these kids. But in terms of what's left on the market or what they can do, not a lot's going to change. Yeah. Um, Sims is going to Melbourne. Maguire's moving on. And, yeah, the guys that are off contract were basically all New South Wales Cup players or fringe players. Hmm. So, unfortunately for the Dragons, I think if the decision's not made this off-season, even though they went 12-12 and to move Griffin on, I think next year they might let him have the season. But behind the doors, if it's not getting any better line up a Flanagan if they're looking for an established coach or if they do what they usually do and look for one of their own internally, seek out Riles or maybe Dean Young for the year after. Yeah, I agree. And start heading in another direction. But again, what happens moving forward with well, those Potsy. kids? Potsy's living down there. Yeah, well, there you go. But what happens with those guys um, yet to be seen? And probably they worse. They don't even chase Potsy as, as an assistant, or I think. No. And what, like what's... you would think, he lives down there. He played at St. George Illawarra. Like, I would have thought he'd be the perfect fit to be an assistant, but they've missed the boat there because he's, you know, he looks like he's going to stay on with the Bulldogs and be on Serato. So I think probably that's what he would have preferred as well. But you think if you're the Dragons, look at what he's done with uh, the Bulldogs attack. I think he could have added a little bit and just have a point of difference for Anthony Griffin and the Dragons. Mm. Well, the other point here, I guess, is... Particularly when, living down there, just, yeah, it's when, scratched when you, my head that... Mm. When you're hearing murmurs as well, that there's other guys that aren't happy, Sua, Laurie, and a couple of guys um, that have only, yeah. you know, been dealing with him for a little bit of time, you don't hear that either. So I think, again, that's another one that you've got to mm. watch the space in the off-season and what happens. Because, mm. um, again, good finish with those three in a row, and they missed the eight, obviously, but I still don't think all is bright and rosy, and there's obviously been... Talk had a look at Serato late, and there's been other talk around Even some of those Barrett. guys that are suspension. So, like Barrett comes up and goes back to Para. Like I, I, I would have, if I was Anthony Griffin, I would have went and got Barrett. 
Yeah, well, again, they fired their assistants and they're getting new guys in. But Barrett, Barrett and Potsy are right there on the coast. In terms of who, what that staff's going to be, I don't know. But yeah. like yeah. I said, lots of questions. That's there. just my that's my opinion. It yeah. doesn't mean I'm right. Um, yeah, frustrating times, I guess, for some Dragons fans. But the last team we've got was the Broncos, who lost to the Dragons, missed the eight, finished ninth. Overs, unders, ten and a half. We both had the under. Um, they obviously went over. Predicted um, 12th and 13th. They obviously finished 9th, 13 and 11. They used 32 players. Their away record. Well, there you go. They bucked the trend. They went 50-50. Six and six. So, yep. attack, ninth, defense, ninth. So, again, they're not top eight neither. Um, and, and similar deal. What did they win? 13 games? 13 games, 11 yeah, losses. To win 13 games and not play finals is tough. So this year shows... Yeah. Obviously, Last year, what was it? 10 in a draw or 11 in a draw? Yeah, the, Titans? Well, the bottom end was so bad. Yeah. I think this right. year shows the quality. I think we said that, though, didn't we, in, the, in our preview? Like, I think the quality. maybe maybe even 12 won't get you in. And that, well, Canberra was 14. 13 didn't get you in. And that's without their hooker wow. and their halfback yeah. for a majority of the year. I don't know whether that says... I think it probably says two things. It says the top of the competition is very strong. Yeah. But it says the bottom of the competition has been... Significantly well, it poor, was more is... even in high numbers at the top with teams winning 14, yeah. 15, 16, taken away from the bottom end where you've got a team like the Tigers. As tight as I can remember. They only won four, and then a bunch of other teams only won six. So you finally win a quarter of your games. Yeah. Um, you know, But for Brisbane, to me, it's it's a disappointment because when you're mm. in the box seat, not only for the finals, but top four, to miss all together, that's a disaster. I go, I go a little bit two ways on this. I, I think from a season perspective, if you said to me, you know, uh, roll back to our season preview podcast and say, "Radio, Brisbane going to win 13 games. I would have said that's a massive overachievement. Not a massive overachievement, but an overachievement on my behalf. Where they sat six weeks ago, that's an underachievement. Huge. So I think, I think they need to try and not allow this back-end disappointment to infect next season. Hmm. They need to look at the really, really good things that they did and build on them and just try and learn the lessons from what's happened in the last six weeks. I think what makes it worse for me as well is they not only did they get a lot of guys play good enough football to get the origin experience and take them to another level, they rested through that period. So they got no excuse for burnout. Yeah. They got through resting Reynolds and a couple of those guys, and they won games as well. Why resting? So I, I was even more confident, given that circumstance, that they were going to go on with it. So the fact that they had the benefit to do those things and they've still ended up missing, something's gone horribly right. And like I said, there's been a lot of talk the last few weeks about noise. We've got the old boys sparking back up again. There's talk about some player stuff leaking out of the club. Not happy with the coaching. you get got Tyson Gamble coming out with his comments this week, which has revved things up a little bit again. Um, you know, the fact that Walter's extension that was signed is almost more like an employment contract where it can be reviewed constantly and moved on fairly easily. He hadn't seen Icon all year. Suddenly at the back end of the year, seen him hanging around a little bit more. And as we said, it's, I don't think it's a matter of what anyone else thinks. Dave Donahue and Ben Icon are around the football club. If they feel like he's not the man to coach them moving forward, they'll make that decision. I think the question is, if they feel... Kevy's not the person to coach, similar to what we did when they moved on Seabold, is who would you bring in now? That's, yeah, that was And again, I basically link him to every single job, and I know no one's looking at him, but I, I still think a Flanagan is the best option for a lot of clubs if a job comes up. Yeah. But they've got other problems internally as well. Reynolds, obviously, 
was very, very good for him, but he missed four games and he struggled to finish three or four others, which hurts. Yeah. Kate Well, you know, brought some good experience, but at the back end of the year, injured. Um, they probably didn't see enough development from some of those other guys there. Like we saw Flagler, Carrigan, Haas, and a few guys kick on, but I think Stags was disappointing. He was very hot and cold to start, got his origin experience, and he really didn't go on much further. There were some fringe guys there. There was questions over their nine and one situation. Like when Martin went out, I knew, knew had a, a handful of good games. You know, quitting on Mam at the back end there, I don't agree with it at all. Mm. To be honest, I thought he similar was... Similar to the Titans quitting on Saxon. I, I had the similar feeling. Yeah, thought he was a good inclusion. But moving forward, I, I still think there's holes. Like I know Walsh comes over, but again, him in the setup and the way things are going right now, the defensive resilience and the way that disappeared, that's a huge worry. That was very Broncos-esque of the last few years. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some questions. And then the other one, again, is just the Payne Haas situation where he comes out mid-season and things go quiet again. Then a few weeks ago, he's talking about his contract and what's going on again. They need to quiet all the noise. They need to make a decision on Kevy, what they're doing. Uh, they need to make a few decisions. What what decisions are going to be made on Kevy? Well, they, then, there's no way they're going to move. They Kevin basically the sign him on a deal where they can make yeah, a decision. No, no way they feel. So. I think if they start the season poorly in their first six games, the pressure will go on. Yeah, I, I just think they need to surround Kevy with guys who are going to fill in the void that you know he he necessarily doesn't nail. Like every every head coach needs to work out what your weakness is and then try and surround yourself with people who fill in those weaknesses and I'm not sure whether Brisbane are doing that oh, I think Kevy you don't get your team into a position that they got themselves in without knowing how to coach like I think he knows how to coach but he certainly looked lost a little bit in the last month and yeah I just emotionally opinion, like he's, he's he's very emotional he's very passionate I think they need better assistance well that's my point Surround yourself with people. And that's who... no knock on. I know Cartwright was a head coach, and I know Madison's been around for a long time. But I think, in particular, just in general, both sides of the ball, they they need more than what they've got. Because mm. again, but that's not for. Yeah, well, I guess it is for Kevy to do, but it's well, also it for, for the football staff and Ben Iken and your, you know, the CEO and the whoever's manager overseeing the football program needs to say to Kevy, listen, and and during this evaluation, during this time right now say, you know, are we getting what we need from the people that are around you and how can we better help you? Because mm. well, I think he's, he's got a lot of a lot of positives. But, yeah, they, they really, really need to help him. Yeah, they need more. I, I believe. I, that's what it looks like from the outside looking in. And Tyson Campbell's comments probably pointed to that a little bit. Uh, and I know a lot of people sort of go, well... That was disrespectful. It wasn't disrespectful. I don't think it was either. I just thought it was nice to hear him being honest. Uh, and I heard, you know, you get your Kevin Walters uh, protectors and you get your guys who sort of want to pile on Kevin Walters. I, I Yeah, I, I just think it just spoke to the fact that he probably needs someone on there who is going to be a little bit more modern and... Yeah, challenge the players, I think, offensively. Mm. I think, again... And broaden, probably, broaden their ideas offensively. The other thing is seeing more development from more of those talented kids because there's a heap that we only saw a little bit of. But like mm. Brendan Perikura, we're talking about 
12 months ago, everyone was chasing him. They paid a stack of money for him. He basically played no first grade this year. Mm. So development from last year, this year, 18 months later, we basically haven't seen him play much. They're football. actually advertising at the moment for an NRL transition coach. Well, there you go. Mm. Um, you know, Xavier Willison was obviously off an ACL, played a few games back in the last year. Didn't see much of him. I think he only played one or two. Um, you know, Dane Mariner, we'll see more development from him. He come in late, 18-year-old, he looks good. Uh, Blake Moser, they signed, like I was about to say, probably their biggest hole was nine for me. Yeah. They had Turpin, they used his son, they used Pakes. Moser, they've signed to 2025, but he's only a kid. He's definitely needs to play more with men, so he's probably not ready. That's a hole. Walsh coming back into a quality player, but he's, he's very hot and cold. Like, if you get the best out of him and you stick with Mam and Reynolds, your one six seven is pretty good. Yeah. But you need to sort out the half situation. You need those forwards to come with you more. And like I said, Willison, Pierre Kura, TC Rabadi played a few games before he got injured, was looking good. Riki, I thought, had a, a better year overall, but again, needs to play a full season consistently. Like his defense was a little bit better, but, you know, and then just other things like at the back end of the year, the situation with Cobo. Cobo was talking about wanting to play fullback and then he had a rest and then there was talk that there's some stuff around off the field and for the last game he was 30 minutes late like you've just given him a huge extension now you have problems so Mm. I think the worst part is the last six weeks we just saw complete lack of attitude effort off the field leech talk and all this crap coming back any of the noise again around any players situation coaching staff needs to be nutted out by Donahue and Ike and ASAP yeah I agree Um, but overall like I said I think if you're a Brisbane fan you'd be filthy with the way things finished up yeah, of course. But of course, there you go. That wraps up our reviews of the bottom eight teams. Uh, and moving forward, like we said, we'll be doing the teams as they get eliminated. So there'll be two more next week. And then that second show that we'll be doing later in the week on the Wednesday. So for this week, we'll have an in-depth preview of the four finals games. Look at the eight teams that are in. Give our final power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre and who we think is most likely to least likely to win the competition and uh, as we go along again just keep talking about what our predictions were what we think and a bit more like our origin previews will be a bit more in depth now that we've got some time and less games to get into the quality yeah so definitely there you go if anyone's got any questions or anything you'd like to ask or um, anything about the pre our season reviews or anything we've just talked about you might do some fan questions eh yeah well we're going to have some time so we'll get them in next couple of weeks as well um, you can always hit us up. Questions on, from the fans. Twitter and Facebook. I know during the year it's been a bit harder and we don't post a lot these days, but this back end of the year, um, now we've got a little bit more time. Yeah. Is probably, like I said, your best opportunity for fan questions or any inboxes and replies. So more content coming the next few weeks and hopefully an absolute. Yeah, we'll get some posts up and. Crack a final series. Maybe do 20 minutes. Mm. But on again, one of our podcasts every week. Big thank you uh, to Bluebet. Dot com.au. If you're going to bet with anyone, do it with the true blue Aussie bookie um, who support us in our charity. Close to that $1,000 mark. Hopefully get well over that for Bears of Hope by the time things are done. And uh, promo on all finals games. If you back a team head-to-head and if they lead by six points or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out as went up to $100 winnings. Lead by six at halftime. You win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Great offer um, there from Bluebet and Penrith Solar, Jake and the crew there, as we talked about. You said it before. Things are getting harder money-wise. One of the best investments, if you're in a position to make it, in my opinion still, is Solar. Um, there's no one better to do it with. www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800 for quality solar solutions to help you and your family. Um, one of the best things we've ever done. And yeah, I, it's one of the, again, I work in that industry, around that industry as well. I think it's 
a really, really good thing. So there you go. Eight teams gone. Eight teams remain. Let's see how things play out. And we'll be back later in the week. What's it today? Monday night. We'll be back Wednesday night. Yep. We'll have an in-depth look at week one of the finals, break down these matchups, strengths, weaknesses, how we think things will play out and give some tips uh, heading into week one. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.